can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really gotta stream it. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she Welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed, or in French, uh, Le Film de Terrible. Um, I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, and this is my lovely co-host, Jane Sherry Hammer, coming at you once again from the deep innards of the internet you can find us i know you're probably curious after this really really good intro where you can find us and get more conversation like this uh lively informative not rambling um but you can find us on instagram and you can find us on facebook at movies we missed and you can also find us tweeting away um we tweet we usually try and tweet about 15 times a day at least um you can find us at MWM chat. Um, really informative stuff going on over there. Um, and yeah, and uh, Jane, what's going on today? How are you doing? Well, I'm still reeling from your phrase, the innards, the deep innards of the internet. Like, yeah, you know, like the gut, like the guts. It internet makes me guts. think of like <laughs> dumping out the inside of a turkey. You know what I mean? Just to bring oh, it back to, to the like holidays. That. Okay, yeah. we got another William Wordsworth on our hands. <laughs> you know, a poet after my own heart. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Jane, how are you doing? You look really nice today. You've got your oh. new specs on, it looks like. Actually, um, these are not new. They're okay. they're semi-new. I, sure. My favorite ones were eaten by a dog, not mine. Aww. <laughs> Um, I was dog sitting and um, I left them in the Apollo? room. Yeah, Apollo's Aww. so cute. I love. I think so I'm, cute. He's so cute. This is this dog. He's a Bernie Doodle, and he was like, I think he was only like seven months old when we he were dog sitting. He was my best friend, and I'm still sort of reeling emotionally from um, the unexpected uh, separation. Um, yeah, his quote unquote owners showed up and. Um, took him, I hope, to a home. Um, but the connection we had, that's going to live on forever. You guys did have a very deep connection. And we just did. for the listeners, they're not the quote-unquote owners. They actually are Apollo's owners. Oh, sure. Returned from their trip. Sure, Jane. <laughs> but Brand- Brandon and Apollo, I've never seen anything like it. I, and I've never know. seen a dog that didn't want to leave with its owners. You way. did the looks, the looks that <laughs> Apollo gave me as he was drugged off. I thought somebody should step in. Um, they couldn't. I don't have, I don't have Sarah. Mich- I don't have Sarah. Sorry, I was going to say Michelle Gellar. I don't have Sarah McLaughlin's number um, anymore in my phone. I tried to WhatsApp her, but it. it I don't know. It was that. It was just made that. That dial tone noise that uh-huh. when you just have to plug, um, you know, the the phone cord into the computer. Um, that was a noise it made when I called her, and I don't know what that's about. I'll find out though. 
I bet you I bet you don't have Sarah Michelle Geller's number either. I, I did have it in my phone. If it's not in there, it's by my choice removing mm-hmm. it. What um, went on with you guys? What was the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back between you and Well, I knew what she did last Ash Wednesday, and I <laughs> I brought it up a couple of times. She showed up with a little bit of cinder on her forehead, and I mm-hmm. was like, you wor- your, your worship looks different today, girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, she thought that was combative. Uh, mm. And that was sort of... Uh, you know. And you did attack her with a hook while you were wearing a fisherman's slicker. Was that right? Or did I, or is that not the same? What in the LL Bean are you talking about? <laughs> um, you always like to bring up my wharf wear. Um, I did have, I had, I was wearing a, a slicker um, that I got mm. my hands on um, through, mm-hmm. through some friends over my, everybody knows about my association with Gordon's fisherman and that I'm like heir quote-unquote heir to the gordon fisherman um you know empire so yeah i like to sometimes cosplay um get on full fisherman you know regalia and go out and uh-huh. just stunt the kids yeah absolutely in these streets <laughs> so if so so that's interesting because i just like i did not know that you were the heir to the gordon's fisherman empire and i'm just wondering anybody who i worry about asking me for money i don't usually share that with them um but the real ones out there you know, because I know you, you find out about what's going on in my bank account. I know you're going to show up. It's going to be knock, knock, knock at the door um, looking for you. Well, I mean, to be fair, now I'm fully aware of your situation. You come to my door, all you're going to walk away with is some gruel or porridge, girl. <laughs> Get up. I got a pipe and a hot pot of pipe and hot pot of gruel. Just going for any time anybody happens to come by. I and sprinkled ask, a little bit of Morton salt in there to bring it full circle with the slicker <laughs> reference. Just a little bit of that Morty's and then a little bit of the offering because we don't do too much. But um, it's got the hint, the essence of mm-hmm. you know expensive salt. <laughs> Don't act like wow. y'all don't know that Morton's is expensive. Sean, by the way, our <laughs> friend Sean came over to our home um, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. We made cookies. Um, he had a recipe for a caramel apple cookie that turned out really tasty. Um, but, you know, normally people come over and they bring things with them. Um, if they like, he brought stuff over that he was like, maybe they don't have this stuff, mm-hmm. um, just like baking goods and stuff. And I was right. like, oh no no, like we're good, we have all this stuff. Like take everything with you. Except he brought over some a big thing, like a nice sized container of like pink Himalayan, like Morton's salt. Oh, and you and were like, I was like, we'll keep it, we'll keep it. Out. <laughs> and then I like took it and I like, put it in the corner of the room away from all his other stuff. And he was like, oh, I kind of want to take that with me. And I was like, did you? <laughs> And he was like, oh, no, it's okay. You can keep it. And I was like, good. <laughs> Done here. <laughs> you because, bullied like, him into giving you pink and I didn't insult. bully him, but I gave him the opportunity to, like, reframe his previous statement. And he took it. <laughs> um, he knew what I meant when I said, did you? Um, and also, I felt like the oldest person in the world. The way that I grabbed that pink Himalayan <laughs> salt. Like, I can't take my butt to the store and get any. Like, but you're was, destitute. You're, I was you're like, Heir of the Gordon's Fisherman Empire. You can't afford your oh own kingdom land. You're gonna tell everybody Gordon about salt. that now. Everybody. Well, oh, he's flexing, my friend. <laughs> oh, he's getting that Gordon Fisherman money. No, apparently not though apparently things aren't going great because you're making your friends buy you pink Himalayan salt it's not mine yet people have to die there's an order to this thing have you heard of the royal family there's a not- couple of people ahead of me that I'm you know waiting to eulogize and then it'll be my moment to slip in and 
get those Gordy bucks. That Gordy <laughs> coin. I'm walking into the funeral and I'm going to be like, where's my money? I won't, I won't do it at the funeral, but like. Yeah, I was going to say, might be like a bit, <laughs> like, uh, like sore. At, and I don't, again, I don't want to tell you how to act in public. This is your family and your fortune and whatever. But exactly. there is like what I understand to be like a sense of, or just like a little bit of insensitivity walking into someone's funeral and demanding the inheritance immediately. I, it wasn't going to be a demand. It was going to be a query. Like, where's oh, the money, honey? Either, either, I'm here for either my way, coins. sort of a somber event. Maybe you don't want to introduce. I, is this where I get where I get the money? <laughs> um, but I'll hold off on that. I'll just whisper yeah. it to people after. I'll look as I'm hugging people at the end. I'll be like, this is so sad. Do you know where the Maybe money is? Maybe write an email and send it out the following week. Or one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to whom it may concern. Where's my money? <laughs> yeah. The He's funeral director is like, I, it, it, I can promise you it's not me. Like, <laughs> You're just hitting up everybody. It's like, I am the second cousin we've met like six times. Like, I'm just here to like pay my respects. Like, who are you? And like, I feel like I'm more entitled to money than you are. It's just like, if there was ever a personification of just graceless, like, <laughs> behavior. Like, you are literally, you're just grabbing like strangers as they're walking out and whispering, where's my money? Zero context. Um, this is not becoming of a Gordon Fisherman heir. I can tell you that right now. No. Well, I'm glad you came. I, I'm glad you came to that conclusion after we talked. And about. Um, speaking of coming to conclusions and making, mm-hmm. you know, declarations and decisions, mm-hmm. um, let's look at a movie that centers around the opposite: indecision, <laughs> running amok. Um, <laughs> it, we watched 1994's Reality Bites. Uh, Jane gave this as my movie to watch this um, this week, um, and I, sure I, I do it. I'm told, you know, within reason. Um, this was reasonable, so yeah. Occasionally, you lead me. Astray, you've led me astray many a times, um, but that is true. You, you didn't do. You didn't. You didn't lead me that astray. Um, yeah. So we we watch it as I said before. This is um, reality bites. We have um, sort of like a who's who uh, ish um of of young hollywood i mean in the 90s yeah in the in like 90s young hollywood this movie was was um released on um february 18th 1994 um mm. it made around 33 million at the box office on like an 8 million dollar budget um oh, okay so it was a, they were sort of worried about this movie <clears throat> initially being a movie sort of about generation x um mm-hmm. and sort of like the the in-betweenness of this generation and trying to figure out where they are, you know, um, coming into being, graduating from college, um, and in a way, they're, they're contending with sort of the politics of the time, um, uh, a recession has happened recently too, so mm-hmm. um, finding employment, you know, is difficult. And um, they're sort of floating along and they're, you know, meandering and trying to find their way and romantic entanglements ensue. Um, but before I get into the gig, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, you know, give the floor to Jane. Um, I know she, she texted me earlier. She was so excited. She was like, I wrote this poem in Gaelic. I've never done that before. Um, I'm scared, you know, that the audience is going to, to hate it and, you know, I'm also scared that they're gonna love it too much, whatever that meant. But um, 
I'm really interested in hearing the way that you you put it all together. I will I'll refer to you by your pin name, um, Sinead O'Callaghan, and um, I'll let you get into it, girl. So I do feel like you sort of set me up for a moment that I'm not really able to pay off on. Um, oh. I did not um, send that to... I, I didn't send a text message saying okay. um, I've written a poem in Gaelic for my synopsis this week. What Line I did <laughs> what I did do was send you a textual message um, saying, hey, can we start 30 minutes late? And what I didn't include was I haven't written my synopsis yet. So is it in is it in Gaelic? No. Did I write it 30 minutes before we started recording? Yes. And you know what? Oh, <laughs> Sometimes the okay. week has other plans. So no, I, I get it now. So, okay, this I, is so a that's why priority you were... for you. This isn't where your bread's buttered. So we get well, you know, B list some... Jane, which is <laughs> just Jane. So we get C list Jane. Um, okay, go off, sis. <laughs> Okay, I I did get it done, and without you know, is it at hit, least in French though? It 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 is in English because it, the, being in French has nothing to do with this movie, and Ugh. neither is being Gaelic. So it's just sort of a weird um, request from you. But like, if you want in the future, I need to know at least like you know a couple days ahead of time, and I will do my best. You know what I could do, Bran. If you want, I could go ahead, copy and paste this whole thing into Google Translate and just give it a go. You are are such a, like, you are the definition of (laughs) violent nationalism. Like, that's what you are. Um, Which is why you you refuse to acknowledge other, other languages. You refuse to contend with other cultures. And I've let this happen. I've mm. tried to expose Jane mm-hmm. to so many things. Um, <laughs> Jane literally, Jane's like, if it's not a burger, it's not for me. That's what Jane says. And I took her to a, a lovely, lovely um, French restaurant. I've taken her to really amazing um, a patisserie. She didn't just didn't like the word. She said it was a namby pamby word. <laughs> To be be fair and to um, defend myself against these accusations, and I'm just going to do that real quick and then I'm going to hop into the synopsis so we can get going. Um, But to be fair, I freaking love French food. I love all different kinds of food and all different kinds of flavor. And Brandon, what is the thing that you always want to eat when we're together? Just out of curiosity. You're like... Sure, 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 sure. You can go ahead and get your Vietnamese food. I want a burger and fries. Is that right? <laughs> His fake... You're a liar. <laughs> I've, never, I've never had a burger before. Ick, gross. I don't eat things like that. I may be like, oh, I'd love some pho. Like, that would be really delicious. Or okay. I may be like... Last time I wanted like- to order pho, you said, can we just get Smash Burger, please? He's, you're a liar. <laughs> you're an American okay. liar. I'm um, gonna... I... I'll just read your synopsis. This get away from this <laughs> chaos brought in my life. <clears throat> Let's move away from the slander. Was that a Fanta? What you drinking? No, it's um, a, a bubbly, a passion fruit flavored bubbly. Okay. All right. 
fancy Fanta. I, I wish it was a Fanta. Okay. <clears throat> Houston, Texas, 1994. We zero in on a group of friends who just graduated from college. Well, some of them. We've got Sammy, a sweet, quiet, and caring homosexual. Vicky, a boisterous, funny, sardonic wit who's the manager at The Gap and has a vintage Betty Page look going on. Then we have Troy, a brilliant, narcissistic, pretentious, unhygienic, lost soul who couldn't get it together to graduate with his friends, but enjoys being a frontman of a band that barely plays. Finally, we have Lelena Pierce, our heroine, a documentarian with dreams of saying something, anything through her art, but she's just not sure what. All of them rejecting the materialism of the 1980s that plagues their parents. They know they have to work, but they want their work to mean something. Lelena is ambitious, but directionless. She's constantly filming her friends and getting them to talk about their lives, but doesn't know how to shape the story. Her world changes when she slams her car into a young but charming executive named Michael from the In Your Face TV network. Suspiciously, Troy doesn't like it. He thinks Michael represents everything their group of friends are against. He's just a yuppie suit trying to get into his friend's pants. After Lainey gets fired from her job, she can't get hired anywhere. Michael secretly shows her documentary to the higher-ups at In Your Face TV, and they love it. She's desperate to sell it to them, but she doesn't want to sell out. What will Troy think? Wait, why would she care what Troy thinks? Does she have feelings for him? Does he have feelings for her? Will she be tempted by the fruit of another? Take the journey with our dear Lelena when she discovers what we all eventually come to know in our 20s. Reality bites. Yikes. Um, No, that was a good synopsis. And I think you, you covered it all. And we are dealing with sort of the existential crisis of like Mm. graduating from college and then being like, where's my job and my money? Um, (laughs) Where's my job and my money? But also it has to mean something. I have to be very important. I have to change the world or I have to be an artist or I have to say something. I can't just get like a normal job where I'm putting, you know, doing data entry. It's interesting because it kind of like, I thought about this. I was reading an article last week uh, with, uh, I don't know her last, I think, I don't know her last name, Madonna's daughter. I was going to say Lourdes Chacon. Lourdes Leon. Leon, thank you. Yeah. Um, But I was reading an article where, I don't know how much I believe, but she was talking about sort of like madonna not really like helping her kids like financially and Mm -hmm. she had to pay for college she went to u of m i think and then transferred Mm. to um suny in new york um Mm -hmm. but i was just like really like i just found that hard to believe but she was talking about sort of like paving her way and working as a model and all this stuff and i was thinking about how i didn't believe her um, well, here's the thing. I, feel I didn't like believe maybe... that she didn't get any assistance. That's what I no. had trouble believing. Like, yeah, you really yeah. paid I... for college on your own? I bet you, though, like, the thing is that Lourdes has, like, opportunities that normal people don't have to make a ton of money. So I bet of she 
modeled for a spread in a magazine and paid for a semester. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you have, like, six modeling jobs or whatever she does to, like, pay for college. Sure, I'll believe that. It's a different, it's a different world for her. Which is also interesting because that's something Tara brought up, too, about how, like... <clears throat> These people in this movie, the four main characters, at least definitely Lelena, come from a some a, a pretty big like or or at least some privilege. Like they're definitely middle middle upper class for sure, and so like all the things that like they worry about mm-hmm. people who um, really don't have any money and really don't have any help, like don't have time to worry about like is my job going to mean anything? You know, it was interesting because I couldn't quite figure out what their like sort of socioeconomic standing was or the types of family that they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because like, you know, there's uh, oh God, Lelena, mm-hmm. Lelena. And then they call Lelena. I have a niece. Who's Winona Ryder's Leilani, So I'm going to do the best I can with these names. <laughs> um, you and these fucking names, man. Uh, you Lelena. <laughs> Lena, um, which was you can just call like, which was just like, <laughs> this is the name we wrote down, um, <laughs> the name we've never heard before. Okay, um, knowing her name is Kaylee, um, but Lelena um, is played by the white Winona, um, but like white Winona Redder. But yeah, it's like you see sort of like. Well, it was one thing that was really funny to me was this movie felt like it seems so strange to me that this movie was set in Houston. It was just like... I did not... I've seen this movie a million times, and I don't think it was, like, until later in life that I clocked that it was in Houston, and I was like, oh, what a strange American city to set this film in. And, um, and I mean, like, I, I guess I understand, I mean, that Helen Childress is from uh, Tarrant County, which is actually closer to, like, Dallas-Fort Worth than it is Houston, um, mm. but and she went Helen, to USC, Helen is I the writer. I'm sorry, yeah, Helen is yeah. the writer. Um, also plays a uh, small part as a waitress in the film. Um, oh, I didn't know that. But wrote this movie, you know, at the age of 19. Obviously, there was lots and lots of rewrites, like 60 or 70. And then also collaborated with um, Ben Stiller, who directed the film, as Mm -hmm. well as, you know, co-starred in it. Um, Worked with him on the script as well. So it was very much still being, like, figured out throughout the process, which isn't Mm -hmm. uncommon. But I thought it was really interesting, yeah, that she was from. And I thought also it was interesting because I was like, well, there's schools in, like, that area. Like, I mean, obviously, we have, like, S. SMU, you know, which is a really popular school that's a little bit closer to the, that area. And I was like, it's interesting that she went with Houston, you know. Um, but is, also, Isn't University of Texas in Houston or is that in... Well, there's more than one. I mean, well, there's... UT Austin is like... UT that's Austin, that's, that's like the school. Right, right, right. No, okay. I mean, no shade to anybody who went to like University of Texas that day. No, I know, but it's like education. UT, when people talk about. Well, UT, U- they're typically talking UT. about University of Texas at Austin. That's like right, the big right. school. That was the school that I, I know several of my friends uh, went to. It's a very prominent, very prestigious university, as is SMU. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know where they're positioned in terms of each other, but they're both like really, really great schools. Um, 
in terms of like you know their standing and like their prestige I mean but I thought yeah I was like Houston that's interesting obviously and don't get me wrong Houston also University of Houston is a very good school Rice is also in Houston as well a, yeah they weren't very, clear like where these people went to school but like yeah that which actually would be very telling although I would gather that they probably went to like a Rice um, yeah maybe. just because Troy I mean I, I don't know that was sort of the vibe I got but I could be wrong that could have been something being a person who's you know from Texas on that region right, like that was something I sort of instantly put on it but mm-hmm. you know um, well you're gonna think about the thing that th- those things course. too like anytime like there's a movie set in Cambridge or Boston and they don't say like where they're going or what the school is I'm like oh they're like I <laughs> this is an example but like um, I've been really obsessed with watching a lot of Korean dramas recently and they one of the characters like goes to the United States to go to school and he sends a letter back home and the address is an address in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I was like, I feel like they're indicating that this person went to Harvard just, mm-hmm. just from that address. So it's like little things like that, that you would notice. Give that you like, like, I don't know anything about Houston. So like, I yeah. did not, I don't even, I didn't even spend time thinking about, uh, actually, I think I did think that like, um, UT was in Houston, like the mm. prestigious one. So that's why I was thinking, because they're both like, um, Lelena was like the valedictorian, Troy's supposed to be really brilliant. So it's like this school, uh, like a school that has some prestige, but I guess Rice also does too. So yeah, Rice is a really, yeah, Rice is really, Who fucking um, it's so interesting. I believe that. I, I'm almost certain that it is. I, it is. But it's just interesting because you, when you're from a region, your sort of relationship to schools and to education is so different. So those are like the schools that my totally. friends went to. And I just remember that sort of process. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked a school that is now um, deceased um, to go to for undergrad. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we know where my mind was. We know where my priorities were. I'm not in the right place. Um, <laughs> but it's those times where you're like, I wish I could just go sit down just just gently on like a, a chaise lounge next to next to 18-year-old Brandon and be like, hey, first <laughs> oh of all, you God. need to you need to drink that entire gallon of orange juice in one sitting. That's not normal. <laughs> um put down That's that what you were doing at 18. That's what you were worried about. I was like, hey, you don't need to drink those 16 bush lights. That would be something that I'd want to talk to my 18-year-old self about. <laughs> you know, I was like, it was like eating too much food and like, like in a very, very dangerous relationship with soft drinks. Um, and like just going unpoliced. Like my mom was just like, you know, this is this is yours, you know. Polish well, this actually that makes me think of the thing where Lelena is talking to Michael about how the big gulp is like the greatest invention, and oh, she yeah. buys like a forty-four ouncer in the morning, and she's like, I feel it has enough nutrients to sustain me all day, and it made me think of like being back at that age, being like in your early twenties, like being so poor and having to like find out like the best ways to feed yourself so you have like enough money to buy beer later and like you know or to do things you really want to do and I remember like and you and I have talked about this before like Subway came in clutch more more often than not in my oh, yeah. 20s where it was like 
I'll buy a foot long. I'll eat half of it for lunch and half of it for dinner. And then like I'll, I'll there they used to have specials. I think it was like a, a the five dollar foot long. So you could spend five dollars on a foot long and eat it all day. And I was like, this uh, is yeah. great. I'm saving money. I'm, I'm getting drunk later. <laughs> I would buy the I would buy the five dollar foot long and I would buy two bags of the chips and then I would have a bag of chips and half of a sandwich mm, and that second yeah. half was always appalling. Um, what <laughs> yeah. happened? What yeah. happened to that? that and I'm going to use quotes when I say bread. Um, <laughs> but what happened to that uh, bread food? Um, what you know? Once once that moisture hit it and like a day's worth of condensation, you know, came into play, uh, was appalling. <laughs> Um, but I just sort of like, you know, I grinned and, and, I, and I just, I would grin and bear it. And mm-hmm. uh, I also would walk after work, I would walk to the uh, the local grocery store by my home. And Jane and I were neighbors at this point. She'd followed me to Chicago. Um, um, and I hadn't, I, I hadn't reached out to the authorities yet to just sort of like start the record. I already lived here. I met Brandon when he moved in across the hall from me. Okay, that's the version we're gonna go with today. Lived in the um, building first. <laughs> yeah, I was just always just just white knuckling it on a day to day basis, <laughs> worried that I was gonna bump into, you know, this girl with these really intense bangs. Um, <laughs> I did leering at me from behind, <laughs> you know, um, shelves at the grocery store. But I remember going in and getting that like question mark meat that was like got like all things must go today, and it's like got the thing on it, and you go up to it, and you're like. What? Why is why is this a sixpence? Um, and the guy a behind the counter is like, just take it. And she's like, okay. Do, do you pay you done? anything? No. Like, get it out of here for the love of God. Um, and eat it now. Like, you know, like eat eat this within the hour, kid. Within the hour, or you are fucking with like and, yeah, <laughs> your me running home with my like question mark like skirt steak and just like, <laughs> you're like, ooh, I'm having and, steak tonight. <laughs> ooh, somebody's got munty. We're eating. We're doing it. Um, that was that was a big part of it. But yeah, I don't I don't really know. I think back to like also like my early sort of like. Like, yeah, like early uh, b- burgeoning adulthood where I don't even know. Like, I never had money. I feel like we were always looking for the freest places to be. Uh, 100%. And, um... Never, ever, ever had money. Like, always trying to figure out. I mean, I remember, you remember our landlord used to make me pay in cash. Did he make you pay in cash, too? Of, of course. Okay, he made us all pay in cash because I don't think the place was, like, above board. No, of Um, course not. He was, like, an 80-year-old guy from Eastern Europe. Montenegro. 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 He'd walk around in his... a a shirt all the time like giving us giving us the goods always showing up at our apartment unannounced always and he would come what we'd have to do is put cash in an envelope and put it on the fridge and um you either put it in his hand he knocked on the door a lot um, or he would just remember, come in and take it. Or he would just come in and take it. I do remember, like, I remember, like, one time hiding. We all hid, like, yes! under our beds. And I remember him, like, puttering into our apartment, like, <laughs> just saying our names and, like, looking for us. And, like... I remember, like, more than one time, I didn't have the rent money yet. And he would knock on the door. And I was, like, I would hide in the bathroom because I'd be, like, he's not going to open the door to the bathroom. And, like, I don't have enough money. Like, I need him to come by in, like, two or three days when, like... I get my paycheck or whatever and like I'd be hiding in the bathroom trying to be silent like holding the door closed and he'd be like Jane Jane like 
knocking on the door and being like, where's your cash? <laughs> and like this apartment was like, uh, my cut of this rent was like $400 a month. It was like <laughs> nothing. But I was so poor and, you know, my priorities were different. <laughs> no, we didn't We didn't know any better. And I remember that like the furnace in my roommate Sam's room would just spew <laughs> hot water. So Sam would sleep with all of this stack of tot- towels on like the end of his bed and he would just be like, you know, guys, make sure your feet aren't hanging out. It's like, so you don't get woken up at two in the morning by like the boiling hot water spraying onto the soles of your feet. Like, talk about a nightmare. I know, and and waking up. It's torture. And like the fucking the like thinking of things like that, the fact that he like demanded money from us all the time, and it was like, honey, you get what you get when you get it. I, I we let we let the possibility of hot water boiling our feet in the middle of the night happen, and you let the possibility of rent being late a few days. This isn't a mutual exchange. Also, I'm sorry, we're gonna get into the movie, but the other two appalling <laughs> things. So the sink in the kitchen broke at one point, and Mike was like, "I'm gonna send over my brother to fix it." Me and my Mike was, were, I don't know if we said earlier, Mike. Mike was is our a landlord. landlord. Mike was like, "I'm gonna send my brother over to fix it." His the sink was dripping; it was just dripping. His brother came over. He was like, "Hey, I'm fix the sink." We were in the living room. We heard like water running. We went in the kitchen. He had broken the sink more than it was broken. It was just spewing water, and he left. He straight up he juices. He didn't know. Didn't come back. Didn't like touch base with us. So that was one thing. The other appalling thing about this apartment was that, like, always dead, always dead rats in like our apartment. M- mice, had... not rats. No, right? There, no, no. There was oh my rats. god, it I was never bad. saw. In I never saw room... a mouse or a rat in my apartment. My apartment. Mo, it was really bad. Like I, and one oh time god. I realized, and they were already dead when I would find them. I would like oh, see them, and then I would like. Bro. I'd be like, I need to like square up to catch it, and then it's like you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to catch. You know, you don't have to catch the dead. Um, it is fully the sun is It's waiting sun is for you to bring it, to give it a proper burial. It's, it's time for burial at this point. It's just time for final rites. Um, and that happened three or four times. I like, I remember like the first time, like finding one underneath like a rubber maid that I had at the bottom of my closet. Like I just smelled death in my room and I thought it was coming in through the walls. And all of us, we were just children. Like we were like, oh, it must be in the walls. And we just lived with it. And then one day I pull out the, I pull out the rubber maid container one day and it's literally smashed into the bottom of the rubber No! I'm gonna so it was absolutely already... fucking puke. So yeah, so that, and then there were times where one time I was coming out of the shower and I came into my bedroom and I closed the door and I saw the rat like just in the middle of the floor and I was like, oh, he's gonna get away. And I closed the door because I was like, I'm gonna get him. Because I actually don't have a thing about dead like rodents and animals. Oh I my God, that's, horrifying. I'm, I'm I am a, a mess in many senses, but like that's one thing I actually can handle. Like I'm good with insects and stuff, and like like I don't have any issue. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this rat, and <laughs> I, I can't believe that. And I, and it was already dead. And I was like, oh, okay, job half done. And then I like, <laughs> but okay, I'm gonna go. Daisy gets so mad at me. Okay, so the the other rat story though that sort of like explains why I don't have an issue with this rat is that when I was growing up, one time we I grew up in the south, and we used to always from like cousins and family members, we would sometimes some of our families had farms and stuff, so they would give us like vegetables, and we had this big like box of sweet potatoes, and they were in our garage, they were up on like the shelf, and we would go in and get them and clean them, and you know we bake them in the in the oven or whatever you know and one time i remember my mom went out and she was like oh this has these like little marks on it and i was like 
oh, that's kind of weird. And then we we were like, oh my God. One day my mom went out there and she saw like the rat like run away from like when she came out and we're like, this rat's eating our sweet potatoes. So my mom was like, and then my mom was in the house in her ensuite to her bath, her, her bathroom to her, her bedroom. And she heard something under the cabinet and it and she opened it and she saw the rat like run back along. She was like, it's, got, it's probably the rat. There's probably a system that they're like, you know. And so she was like, I'm going to put like uh, sticky tape in the bottom of the inside of the, the, the sink oh, under my bathroom no. and we'll catch him. First of all, <gasps> that rat took the whole thing with it. It took the, oh, it took the sticky tape and, and, we, were, and we're, we were putting like kind of just country shit. We were putting sweet pota- bits of sweet potato on there so we were like, we know you live for this. Um, <laughs> so we put sweet potato on there, took the whole thing. We got one of those little traps that you go inside of to get the treat and then it, you know, the little thing closes behind you. That rat took mm-hmm. that whole thing with it. Um, oh my God. It was, and then, you were like, just and feeding then, these rats, making them stronger. Uh, yeah, just, just like little, just teaching them little like, like mind games to like help them like get more like, you know, uh, nimble, mentally able to like get their hands on the treats. And then we were like, okay, we need to put, we need to go to the scene of the crime. We need to put like a, we get, a, we get like a mousetrap. So we got one of those mice, the mousetraps, like the standard ones. And that rat took the damn mousetrap with it. Like it got caught, the tail got oh caught in it. It's okay. So my, my mom God. was like, We're, These we need like to get like superhuman, industrial, like a big one, like those big mousetraps. So we got one of those. And I remember in the middle of the night, I like woke up to like that snap from my bedroom oh because it was that God. loud. And I went out there and like it was dead and we had caught it. It was a big boy. And I remember my mom was like, Okay, like, you know, you're the man of the house. Like, <laughs> go, like, go get that trap. Go throw it a, go throw a ray and i went to pick up the trap and i put the trap in the trash can and my mom was like boy if you don't pry that mouse that rat off that trap and clean that mouse trap so we can reuse it i was like what she was like yeah we're not done here um that, she's like that trap is still good the, the rat's dead but that trap got some more life in it so i literally had to like pry like oh, the dead my rat God. That was just, staring at me <gasps> off of the trap and my mom was like go fill up one of those buckets out there and put some soap and suds in there and get to scrubbing oh to scrub the death off of the rat it's horrible that's um, horrifying I'm that's sorry so for that, that that journey that I just took us on. No, no, no. That's like that's. Can I tell one rap, one more please, rap story? Please do. Okay, it'll be. This is hold be, on. Re- this is our podcast. Okay. You're right. You're Dave's, right. Dave's Dave's so close to being fired. It's not even funny. <laughs> is so, he writing your notes? He's not. He's he's not I, writing me notes yet. He's not trolling yet. But we know it's coming. Okay. All right. I was thought he was trying to move us along, but okay. I, this is gonna be really quick, and then we will talk about the movie. Okay. So. <laughs> The reason, okay, so rats are terrifying and I've been very lucky. I mean, we live in a big city. There are rats everywhere, but we have, I have been very lucky where I've never seen one inside my house or apartment. Um, So one traumatizing thing that did happen to me though, and this is part of the reason why I'm so terrified of rats. Um, It was, I don't know, my second or third apartment in Chicago. And I lived on the ground floor. And if you guys are not from Chicago, um, one of the things about the city is that, like, <clears throat> we have a lot of alleys and everything, like, all, all of our dumpsters in the city are in the alley. So it's not on the actual street, which is nice because it keeps the city clean. But, like, those alleys are really precarious. They're just, like, terrifying. You don't want to, like, <laughs> 
you don't want to be there for a long time. Unless you're in a nice neighborhood and the alleys are nice, which is like crazy. But anyways, I was not in a nice area. This alley was not nice. And this is how I had to take out my trash. So I went out the back door of my apartment and walked out to the alley. And this was late at night. Or I don't know how late it was, but it was dark out. And the thing that I forgot to do was look at the top of the dumpster before I lifted it up to put my (laughs) trash bag in. And there was a fucking rat on it. And as soon as I lifted up the lid, that motherfucker flew at my face. And it didn't hit it like (laughs) it didn't hit me right in the face, but it sort of grazed the side of my face. So it was like flying past my face. It was it was like oh my god I'm like I'm like getting oh, I'm getting worked up talking about it. It like but I remember the, you right as it I remember by. the feeling of fur like oh god it's I'm like getting oh so I'm so sorry Ugh. you guys like the thick furry rat body just grazing your grazing my face and then like falling past my shoulder. I have never let out a louder blood curdling scream, and what I did was I dropped. I dropped my trash in the um, dumpster and then I ran up all the way to the back. Like, so I lived on the ground floor, but the apartment was like three levels and I was scared to go back into my apartment for some reason. So I just ran all the way up to the third floor porch, not my apartment, don't, did not know my neighbors, was not friends with them and like stood on their porch and just like watched the alley for like 20 minutes being like, see if the block was still hot. (laughs) See if the block was still hot. And I like, I like, by the time I worked up enough courage to go back down, I like ran into my apartment like the fucking flash. And then I remember like spent the next like two months trying to like get my roommate to take out the the trash whenever it was full, like, but didn't tell her why and was just kind of like, oh, I'm about to hop in the shower. You mind taking out the trash real quick? Like, oh, I'm about to run out, but you mind taking out the trash? You got, the, you got the trash though, right, fam? You got the trash out. I, I, I went to the dishwasher for sure. If you just, if you pop that trash out, like did not want to go anywhere near the trash. I still am traumatized by the trash. Okay, Dave's going to get mad now. Um, okay. Just two more seconds, Dave. Sorry. One more rap story. So <laughs> so my friend, my close friend who listens to the podcast, Caitlin, um, I remember her and her boyfriend had moved into this apartment and there was a rat. I, if I remember the story correctly, there was a rat in their apartment, and they told their landlord about it. And the landlord killed the rat. He he killed it. He brought it. I think he stabbed it on like a stake. <laughs> he brought it outside. Wait, what? He stabbed it I like think with a he was, knife? Okay, I think he. If I remember correctly, he was from Spain, and he was like old school. And he was like, "I got this." And he went in there and he stabbed it with like one of those like like a stake like some sort of like snake thing and he took it the, he took it out into the courtyard like Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly and like he stabbed it into the, <gasps> the the base in it not the part that the rat's on the top part he stabbed the butt the butt of the bottom part he stabbed it into the earth in the center of the courtyard and then he lit the rat on fire on the stake <gasps> oh and I remember her telling me that and I was like that's 
wild. And I think that maybe he explained that it's something to do with like disease, like passing through like rodents. And so it's like, I think maybe like where he was from, that was the way they dealt with like any rats that were killed was like, you didn't just put them in the dumpster in the trash because they could still potentially infect other, any other animal that comes into contact with them could become infected. So like you just burn them literally at the stake. And it also serves as like a lesson to any other rodents nearby too, I'm sure. Because it's like, you can get some of this too. Like a, um, like a witch in the 17th century. <laughs> this bick is still lighting, mama. You'd be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can you can get just as much of this work as they got. And I wow. think that like, you know, it, it did its job to twofold, I think. And you'd see like the roaches and the, you know, the rats around like. <laughs> oh, wow. So, um. Wow. Yeah, well, so live we... in the city for long enough, you'll you'll be able to flex with some rat stories too. Exactly. I hope. I hope. I'll, I'll, I bet country people have like more intense rat oh, stories. Oh, Jane, I have. We're stopping now, but I have stories. I have a story about a battle with a possum. I have. Oh my god, these rodents! I'm See, from the country, is... country. Yeah. Like I can tell you. <laughs> I am not from there. I do not understand Oh, man. I got some wild ones, but I'll save that for another day. Um, Speak so, to deviate from rats, um, (laughs) we are back in the gig. And um, we were talking about college, sort of that that age. I actually, honestly, was kind of impressed that, like... (sighs) I know it's not... Lenali. Lenali? Lenali. Come on, you know it's... <laughs> I know it's not Leilani, and that's what I want to say. It's Lelena. Call Lelena. her... Call Lelene. her Lainey. Lainey, Lainey, Lainey. Okay, Lainey, Lainey, Lainey. <laughs> so, I was impressed that, like, Lainey had a job. Like, Lainey... I, I couldn't tell what she... What her job was exactly, but she, she had... a production to, assistant. She was just a production assistant. Um, yeah. yeah. For Good Morning... Have... For Good Morning Grant, hosted by... John Mahoney, John the, the Mahoney. man, the myth, the legend. Yes, he was Chicago's Chicago's finest, right? right? Chicago's own, yeah. And his character was horrible, but mm. like he played him so well. Yeah, he did. He was like he was giving at first. He was giving kind of like Donahue vibes, but yeah. like, but then he also like. I mean, we've seen if you've seen some episodes of Donahue, you'll see the credibility was waning towards the end. But, um, <laughs> but he's lacking like any credibility. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's really coming for Lainey as he um, before she gets he ends up firing her. But like she overhears like a conversation where he says that he's tired of looking at her pointy face. I um, know he's the meanest person. And, and it's not clear why, really. It's not. He's just, he, he's obviously a local celebrity and, you know, too big for his britches. But I, I do love how she gets herself fired. She, like, prepares questions for um, a person who is going to be appearing on the show with Grant. And Grant never reads any of the material beforehand or whatever. It's very so Ron Burgundy. Him, very Ron Burgundy. She just hands him the questions. And then <laughs> my favorite what he starts with is personally I've always had an odd preference for very very young girls <laughs> I was just like that's actually queen behavior like <laughs> to do something like that on your way out I respect that I would well never at that point it was clear that. that he wanted her fired anyway although I do right. love I do love the second fairy because one wouldn't suffice 
Like if somebody oh. was like, oh, I have a preference for very young girls. It's like, oh, okay, do you? <laughs> no, 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 it's no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I have a preference for very, very young girls. Get the hell out of my house, Gil. <laughs> Too far. I was going to give you one. And, and at which point, if you have, if you're gonna give him one, I think you got a problem too. No, yeah, you're you're your own kind of monster. Okay, what yeah. in the John Wayne Gacy's going on that you're <laughs> willing to throw the throw the makeup on and you know <sighs> give the you know do what you do, heinous heinous people. Um, we don't condone it. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna move on from that real quick. Um, <laughs> she gets fired, and I just I loved it. I, I it was impressive that she had a job in her chosen field because it, she, I think yeah right and, and she the was possibility for moving I mean that was a good like sort of starting point you know absolutely for- which shows us like she is an ambitious person she does want to be a documentarian she does want to work in that medium in film or TV but she wants to be sort of the one telling the story which of course we all do um, and she has this line where she's like I was really going to be something by the time I was 23 and I haven't seen this probably in I don't even know how many years but I was like be something by the time you're 23 nobody's anything at 23 well, some people are but, <laughs> I mean you need a you I, need a little bit more privilege than you got yeah exactly <laughs> yeah some people aren't able to parlay you know very little into like a career but like still like making themselves I mean she was in a good she was in a good place and ultimately it didn't work out um you know she seemed to be a a pretty like you know she seemed to be a pretty diligent worker I mean she had a couple of little things that she sort of like let slip through the cracks but like nothing that that we saw that was appalling it just seemed like sort of like uh, a clash of personalities unfortunately um, you see her like uh, repeatedly sort of trying to present ideas to um, you know this guy Grant and he is just not here for it and no, uh, not really here that. for anything that she you know wants to offer because he's sort of already made his sort of decisions about her whether it be based on the fact that she's a woman or that she's young um, and like you know sp- that whole idea which comes up within the movie of just like there's there's like a moment in the movie after she loses her job where we sort of see um, Winona's character Lainey I did it um, we see Winona's character trying to like get her get her footing and we see her you know going to people she goes to her dad played by joe don baker um she goes to her mother the iconic Susie kurtz um you know um, they're set they're they're what? You called her Susie. It's Swoozy. Swoozy. It's Swoozy. Because I, I will remember put a her. Put respect on her name. I always. I mm-hmm. Swoozy and me go way back. Mm-hmm. If you knew how many <laughs> how many rounds I watched her play of Cat's Cradle um, at the beginning of the ABC um, drama Sisters. <laughs> Sisters. Um, I don't That's see Susie without looking for Sill Award once and again. Baby. <laughs> um, I I remember her well, okay? Um, me, me at like six years old chomping at the bits on Friday night for sisters to come on. I loved, I, my family, as a family, we watched sisters. But I Yet don't remember. I still remember. had to come out to my family for some reason. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it, but I do remember who was in it. 
I remember Sisters and I remember Picket Fences would come on on Saturdays. Oh, you was Swizzy Picket Fences? No, she wasn't, but it was all it okay. was Baker. But it was very, it was just that vibe. It was like these shows about these like upper, like, you know, upper middle class, like white people. Mm-hmm. And literally the only representation on television and me just being like, sure. I'll live in the world with <laughs> this group of like white women. They're, the sisters' names were like Frankie, Billy. Yeah, um, they, I remember that. They all, remember they're that. all like masculine names. Masculine names is great. Um, yeah. But anyway, she plays the mother. It's also really funny because they went they went really far in with the southernness of like, which was so really odd to me. In. I didn't. I don't know if I needed that much. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because I mean, obviously, this is the story that you know Helen is telling, and Helen is a uh, you know Helen Childress is is the the writer and is I don't know if this was a Ben Stiller you know as a director sort mm-hmm. of feeling like we need to like round these characters out but like I mean some people in Texas talk like that but like <laughs> eh, not where's not where's the swoos from um she gives me like Let's find east coast out. vibes she gives me east coast vibes I would really? guess I would yeah I would no oh, whoa she's from Nebraska Omaha Oh wow! So Midwest, a Midwest girl. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so that's interesting. But the the accent was just really like it was. It was really thick. They really wanted to like was to get it that like I she remember from like her. I remember the phrase she says in this movie is sugar booger. I remember that she refers to her daughter Winona Ryder Laney as sugar booger, and I just like that is such a whenever. I hear that phrase, I think of this movie, there's a certain, like, you know, like, triggering phrases or something like that, like, at the very beginning of the movie, where they're filming on the rooftop, and it's just after their college graduation, and <clears throat> Vicky says, the only thing I truly learned in co- in college was her was my social security number. And every single time I have to give my social security number, I think about that phrase. And I remember before I went to college being like, oh, I guess I'm going to learn my social security number in college. Like, I don't know why. It was just something that really stuck with me. And I've seen you give it out to a lot of people, too. Well, you have to, to make... Um, dinner reservations at a restaurant you need your social security number um if you want to rent a book at the library you have to give your social security number if you want to get on the train and someone gives up their seat to you on the train you also have to give them your social security number and credit card number um so i have at to a remember. bar i've seen somebody ask for your phone number and you give them their, your social and then you're like oh my god that was my social security number you know yeah yeah, and it's so <laughs> like, crazy. It's like I was born yesterday. And, came <laughs> um, and it's like, you can find out exactly when I was born by using my social security number at any point. Um, and <laughs> on an unrelated... <laughs> <laughs> Get a pen! <laughs> and on an unrelated note, my um, identity has been stolen literally thousands of times. I'm actually in crippling, crippling debt from identity theft. So They all listen um, to the net episode, so we all know that <laughs> Like, no, no, Pizza Palace has your info, and like people are been charging online pizza orders to that website mm-hmm. since forever. Um, we also get like a very we get our um, we meet sort of the gang. We have our mm-hmm. Steve Zahn, who is who is uh, gay um, with a lowercase G. Yeah, um, which I because, loved. 
Well, we don't really, like, find out anything about that character, though. Mm -hmm. I feel like we don't know anything about him at the end. He's there the entire film, but I feel like they don't... It seems like they don't know what to do with him. He's a character that doesn't really have his own story, which happens. But I do like that they take the time to... He's a human being. He's not a a series of ideas or catchphrases or this sort of, like, hyperbolic, like, interpretation of what homosexuality is like exactly I, no. he's he's which, just which, a person who is in this friend group who happens to be gay his story is coming out to his mother he has no like specific like quote-unquote gay traits he's just a normal gay person who isn't a huge part of the story which, not that those people aren't normal who no. are, <laughs> what um, is wrong with me the word <laughs> normal should be stricken from the record and from my vocabulary i did not mean a normal gay person like what a horrible thing to have said i Um, apologize (laughs) but i will say that i feel like we get like a sprinkling of the storyline with the mom but like barely like i feel like there could have i feel like there could have been a little bit more to sort of like bolster his existence within this world because he's there constantly and i just think like there could have been like another five minutes of like story a scene like, or what's two his with job him. we don't we don't know what we his never job know is. that's what i mean like that kind of yeah. context like we don't get any of that we know that he's around a lot and several times throughout the movie dave and i would sort of be like does does he live here because yeah. it's like he was there and then there's the one moment where they're confronting laney after she loses her job and she's sort of taken to calling the their version of like a psychic hotline and she's just latoya, you know, she's, LaToya got her cameo Latoya got it. You know, don't call mm-hmm. it a comeback. She's a Jackson mm-hmm. too. Put respect <laughs> on that name. Um, but yeah, we we see all of that, and then they confront her with like the phone bill, which is also really it's really funny because like you see this sort of like this the first real spat between her and like Vicky, played by Jean Garofalo. The two mm-hmm. of them sort of going back and forth, and like Janine Garofalo having all of like the upper hand in this situation, <laughs> um, just being like, "Girl, like." You aren't working, so you're not contributing to rent, and you have racked up, like, an insane phone bill. $400. It's, like, it's crazy. Like It's crazy to me that, like, yeah, I mean, like, phone bills nowadays, like, you don't have to pay for long distance. You don't have to, you don't you don't call psychic hotlines like that doesn't exist anymore usually your phone bill is like a fixed number i use carrier pigeon now if i'm trying to get a hold of anybody from the psychic like a like the network network oh okay like miss cleo you like carrier pigeon miss cleo or i take a piece of bread to a note and i'll usually put it out on the fence outside and Mm -hmm. they know what to do they know what to do, and they'll have the address, and they're pretty well trained. And all I, squ- I scream the address when they when they come to pick up the. You scream it at the pigeon's face. I'll just scream like Newark, <laughs> and they go, oh! and I know what that means. I know that means that you're gonna get it. So you just you just scream the name of a city. You say this is you say Newark at the pigeon, and then the pigeon knows which address to bring it in, bring it to at Newark. Yeah, they can triangulate once you give them just, well, lack of a better term, breadcrumbs. Then they can put the pieces together. Um, just a little piece of Wonder Bread with little, I, I like moisten it a little bit in the Ugh. little bit of water on it just to so it's easier for them to gum. But um, then they're gone. Uh, yeah. Okay, here's my question, and then again, as always, we'll get back to the movie. But what happens when you are like one week you're sending a message to a 
a person in Newark, let's say, mm-hmm. I don't know, Cory Booker. And then the next week you're, you're sending, <laughs> what did you say? I said you're obsessed. <laughs> With Cory Booker. move on. <laughs> God, every time we talk now, it's you being like, you heard from, from Cory? I'm thinking about going to the DNC. <laughs> Just so you guys know, I feel like this is the first time I've ever mentioned Cory Booker. Sure. (laughs) Newark just made me think of him. Of course it does. Synecdoche makes you think of him too, I'm sure. My question is lost because um, your joke was funnier. We can leave it at that. We don't. I don't care about your carrier pigeon anymore. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, Who you're cares? A booker, bo- you... You're a booker booger. You're um, <laughs> you're a member of the fan club. And um... did you did you peep the line where um, they were like all high and they wanted to order pizza and they didn't have any cash and someone goes Domino's takes checks and I was like what? Like the concept of that is wild to me. <laughs> this movie is really weird because I don't know if we've watched a movie that's made me feel as old as this movie made me feel. <laughs> Um, which is funny because we've watched so many movies and they've, you know, obviously our podcast, it's, we're very thorough. And if you look at our filmography, you know, Mm -hmm. then you'll see culture, you know, these Mm -hmm. are people who understand the way the world works. These are people who understand, you know, how movies are are made. The discursive (laughs) journey that we've taken you on, the cinematic (laughs) journey, you're welcome. You're welcome. But... (laughs) This movie is from, like, 1994, and for some reason, it exists in this sort of... It exists in this really interesting place, because it's like, Mm -hmm. these people are in, like... the These people exist in the generation literally between me and my mom. Yeah. So, it's a really, like... It's really kind of, like, a weird thing, because it's like... I can think back on being, like... I was a... I mean, I... I was a child when this movie came out, a baby. Mm-hmm. But it's like, <laughs> but like, there's something about how how it butts up against my generation that like I understand it almost from like the perspective of a person who lived through it, even though they still are sort of like because I was a child around this time, so I remember mm-hmm. some of this stuff. Obviously, my perspective and my context is different because I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. It's it's close to it, and I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, this movie's white as hell. So, like, no, I don't see myself in it. But <laughs> it is. But it's like it's like really like interesting because it's like, oh, like they're talking about things like Whole Foods, and it's like I they, know. Well, this movie to me, I've never seen this movie before. All I've ever seen is that cover. I mm-hmm. assumed like if somebody asked me where this movie was set, I would have a, I would have. Um, where, where would you well you've seen it before so you already knew mm-hmm. I would have assumed this movie was set in Seattle oh interesting in my head I was thinking in New York but like oh just from, okay just from the just from the um the vibe it reminds me of that movie Singles which I think is that was the in... that was the movie I have not seen that movie but that was the movie that made them scared to make this movie because that movie Why? was not was successful at the box office and it was another movie that dealt with like romantic entanglements oh, and it had yeah. come out two years before this film and it had okay. not been successful and so when this movie was being pitched it was one of the reasons for reticence and a little bit of initial trouble that they had in finding a studio to produce it because they were like oh 
show, we just had a movie that dealt with sort of like the complexities of the, you know, the, the generation X and, um, and it had not proved successful for them. So I think a big part of why this movie got made obviously was the star power of Winona Ryder at this time. Absolutely. Um, She was, this was like, this was her moment. Sure. And she was really drawn to this project because she was coming off of so many period pieces. And yeah. this was a movie that she said um, she would she have the opportunity to just wear jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I mean, I feel that as an actor, I, I understand. Oh my like God, that, I'm sure. You know, as a person who's a career very similar to hers, too. When I hear something like that, I think, yeah, this checks out. Um, as a person so, who what? I'm sorry, I, I think I missed that. As a person who what? Um... You know, it probably wasn't for you. It was for the people who understand me and who get my journey and, like, Mm -hmm. how selective I've been about the films that I've chosen to align myself with. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do want to bring it back to what you were saying about how this is such an interesting time with this movie and how it, like, made you feel very old. Because, like, I've had two experiences with this movie where, like... So when I first saw this movie, I was much younger and it was before I had gone off and gone to college and, you know, and, but I saw people like when I I saw people doing that because my brother is like 18 years older than me. Mm -hmm. And so this movie is more about his generation and I, and my older cousins as well. Like some of them were around that age when, you know, when this movie came out. So I saw them going to college and having fun with their friends and doing cool things. And I was like, you know, this movie made me, when I was younger, made me feel like, oh, I can't wait to get to that age. I can't wait to get stoned in, uh, you know, in a gas station and dance to music with my friends and just be carefree and be on my own and all that kind of stuff. And then now watching this as a person in my 30s who has experienced all that, I look back at this movie with the like idealism of that time being 23 and thinking that you're whatever you do has to be so significant and feeling so lost and having no idea what you want to do and having messy romantic entanglements and um, no money and no prospects and at the time it's really painful and difficult and confusing and there's so much like emotional turmoil and then looking back on that now as I watch this movie I look back on I look I look Uh, you know I look at it as sort of like a nostalgic thing like oh god I remember that time I remember you know you know drinking beer until 4am and um, not having care in the world and dancing with my friends and um, you know recklessly quitting jobs because I didn't like them and all of that kind of stuff so I feel like I've had those two separate experiences with this movie which has, has been nice to see it from both sides no, I feel that. I mean, I, I think that, like, it definitely makes you think about that sort of period before you've really started to, like, pursue your dreams. Um, mm-hmm. Also, honestly, I mean, the period where you're probably, I don't know, where I probably was scared to really, like, go after them. And, like, you start to Absolutely. see people making moves and you start to think, like, you know, oh, I've still got time. Or, like, oh, good for, like, it, it's, like, it's that stuff that nobody really teaches you mm-hmm. um, as far as, like, that part of, like, the growing up experience. Like, mm-hmm. the reality that, like, you're going to have to, like, figure these things out. And a part of it, and 
some cases is because like even if you have good parents they grew up in a different generation than you did i mean hopefully um <laughs> so it's like that presents its own challenges i found myself like going online looking for like the defining like the the years that define each generation which is always yeah. so interesting and also inconclusive because different people define things differently but mm-hmm. it was really interesting because they they define generation x as I was I've seen it multiple times is 1965 to um, 1980 mm. and then after that like is the millennial generation um, and so it's really it was just really interesting to think about like the way that we are sort of like categorized I mean I guess my mom falls in like the boomer generation which is really kind of funny to me but um, she's a young boomer. She's a really young boomer. My mom's a, my mom is a really young boomer. Boomer generation is the, I've seen it a little bit different obviously, but I've seen 46 to 64. So my mm-hmm. mom's like barely, you know, and then like my mom's almost a, actually really close to being a Gen Xer. Um mm-hmm. but my mom but given like my mom's like, you know, where my mom sits in terms of like I think the culture, my mom is very like she falls into these categories, I think as a result of like being a black woman who grew up in the South. I think that there's a lot that's at play there. Um, I think politically she's probably a lot more like aligned with like the the less more with the boomer generation than like the generation X. Although I think Mm -hmm. that my existence is constantly complicating that for her. Um, (laughs) And I like it, you know, but me and my mom, we have our phone conversations where I have to be like, no, no, not that word ever again. Um, (laughs) But um, who does it? But I think Every generation has to have those conversations For sure. with their parents because For sure. there is that constant evolution. And like, I I have those com- conversations with my parents as well. Although I will say that my parents are very um, very open to those conversations and also like very um, very good at particularly my mom really good at um, you know being aware of the evolution of language. Um, Absolutely, and that is like a conversation to be had. And my mom is I will give her credit for that too because. Mm-hmm. She's she's not like a sensitive person and so she mm-hmm. doesn't take it as some sort of like personal attack when you correct her or when you say, Oh, we we burned that one. We burned that word. Um yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, Oh, okay. Um yeah. and so I I I, I, I you know, I, I'm appreciative of that. Um but it sort of felt like a time capsule a little bit. And Yeah, um, it absolutely is, yeah. And it was, like, this very sort of, I I think, like, Generation X love story unfolding, too, with, like, Mm -hmm. the um, Lainey character and the Troy character, and I found him to be so insufferably frustrating. Oh, my God. He was so frustrating. He, I couldn't, watching it this time, where I was, like, really concentrating on the character itself, and, like, I mean, just, just take... When we watch movies for this podcast, movies that you love, even if I've seen it a million times, you watch it with new eyes. And I was like, oh, my God, there's almost nothing likable about Troy. He's toxic. He's the most pretentious motherfucker ever. He allows for zero error, even though his life is a comedy of errors. And he is the most unappreciative person ever. It's like you are like sleeping on someone's couch and then like insulting them constantly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, and it's like, you're trying to like, you're trying to sell this to me as some sort of like, like moody vagabond. It's like, put down the fucking Jack Kerouac and go get a job. 
Exactly. Like, how about that? How about you get on the road again to <laughs> any place that's hiring? <laughs> to the unemployment office, <laughs> like, or wherever yeah, exactly. you need to be. It's yeah, like, to, at a certain point, I think that's part of growing up, too, is, like, you were so idealistic, and then, like, at a certain point, you have to humble yourself and work wherever, because, like... I, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, like, this also goes, like, Lainey's, like, when she gets fired from her job and um, Vicky, who is the manager of the Gap, she's like, oh, my God, hey, you're hired. I need a part-time person. And Lainey's like, I'm not going to work at the Gap, for Christ's sakes. And I was like, I had, I was like, I had such a different reaction this time watching it than I did probably like when I was younger. I was like, why the fuck not, Lainey? Work at the Gap. You got rent to pay. Like, you have food to Like, you need to eat. Like, insane. But when I was 23, I'd probably be like, no, girl, follow your dream. You don't need that health insurance. See, what I thought when she said that was, where was this energy at for Troy who's been bumming it on your couch for like <laughs> the past like month at least? Like, how about you get him part time over at the Gap? Because it seems well, like he's at work. She, because I don't think she trusted Troy to work at the Gap. And maybe, maybe that's what yeah. it is. But it was just like he like he moves into their their. It's also like this relationship between Lainey and Troy is just weird anyway. Because it's like, what are you to each other? Like, right? at, like when like one of the first <laughs> the the first scene of the of the movie is sort of them all like on this walking precariously on this roof of um, <laughs> of a building very high up, um, smoking cigarettes and like you know and drinking weed diet and coke. drinking beers. And drinking, yeah, and drinking their Diet Coke. And I thought Jane, because all, you know, Helen Childress apparently said that that was, like, what she survived on. um, Oh, my God, I drank so much Diet Coke when I was younger. Yeah. I know. Uh, And I I thought of you. Um, But I, um, but they're, like, on the roof, but we still don't really see any interaction between them. And it's, you know, it's shot in this sort of, like, collage way. um, Where it's, like, sort of snippets of conversations. And it's sort of, but but it's her. It's it's her POV behind the camera sort of capturing these moments. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, like, you know, the next time we see Troy is him coming to their, their home that they live in. And, like, Lainey's like, he can't live here. What's he doing here? And so it's like, what's the... And then later on, they're like... Uh, one of them says, like, oh, you're my best friend. And I was like... Yeah. What's the fallout that happened that we weren't privy to? And we also find out fairly quickly that nothing romantically has happened between them. So it's like... Well, he, he does your- say, I think, in the very beginning, she's like... He says something. She's like, and you wonder why we never got involved. And he starts to name a date, like, November something, 19... And she's like... I, and he was like, if I wasn't more of a gentleman, like, we would have, like, had sex or something like that. Which I was like, what... And she, I guess she was saying she was so drunk... And it's like, if you weren't more of a gentleman, I think what you mean is if you were a rapist? <laughs> Jane, it was 1994, and the rules hadn't been defined yet. No, they've been clearly defined. They've oh. always been defined. Oh, then not okay. <laughs> um, we also see um, in this, like, it's, it's interesting because I was getting, like, Dave's going to hate this. I was getting, like, River Phoenix vibes um, very much from, like... I know Dave's gonna be like not on my from watch. Ethan Hawke. Um, yeah, but um, of course, I mean that's like what they wanted because yeah. I think like that was like the prototype in like 1994 for like hot, unaffected, like you know, 
um, rolled out of bed artist guy. You know, I mean, and it Ethan felt Hawk like a very. I mean, it felt like a very river part, you know? Um, Absolutely. And so it had that sort of vibe, the long hair, like he's this moody musician, he's very intelligent, um, you know, that, that. And then we also, like, positioned this character against, like, the yuppie, which it's really interesting for me because I always think of the yuppie as, like... Uh, existing within like the context of the 80s so it was really interesting because I mean I, I I don't know we're in 1994 and I was like oh it was like a, it was a term that still persisted and I mean of course like it yeah, came I think to it still... came to exist no but I'm just saying it was just interesting within the middle like the mid 90s to see this term still sort of being like thrown around yeah. um, but I mean also like the stiller character with his like big hair and his designer suits um, you know and as Dave just pointed out of course but look how long hips as you know persisted as a term and yeah, it still is true. although when i hear someone say hipster now i do i instantly go back to like the early like aughts yeah late late 90s early aughts is like when i don't know what i would hipster. honestly i don't know what i would do with that term now if somebody said oh he's such a hipster i'd be like he's from 20 years ago yeah, I know. I'd be like, what does that mean nowadays? What does that like, mean now for that to yeah, be like an indictment? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, those like hipsters to blanket term too. It was like it was the it was the very it, it it's evolved. I feel like you know, or the the I uh, yeah I don't know I don't know what. Well, I mean those is. those hipsters those hipsters are like in their forties now, so it's like <laughs> so it's you know like, um, they. <laughs> They've said fuck it and run to J. Crew outlet and you know. And I, I bumped into them there, and they yeah, were like, exactly. "You're too young to be here." And I was like, "Doy." Um, <laughs> and I was like, "I'm you know I'm buying stuff for somebody else." Um, yeah, though, like I mean, it's really interesting. In this movie, we've got Winona Ryder who's 23. We have Ethan Hawke who's 24. Ben Stiller's 29. Anjanine Garofalo's mm-hmm. 30, and then Steve Zahn's 27. Um, so we're actually covering like a wide, not a wide, but we're covering a little bit of a range um, of ages. I, I will say that I really loved like. What were you gonna say, Jane? I, well, I I think all of the kids are supposed to be the same age except for Michael. They, no, they are. He's, no, they are. Yeah, okay. um, but I actually meant the actors. Um, right, right, right. And, and by wide range, I mean not wide range at all. Well, um, the 20s, all literally you know. right around the same age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, also, there's like, I mean, and you know, when you talked about the privilege, you know, or like clearly mm-hmm. her coming for money. There's a moment at the dinner with her parents where she receives the BMW. It's a used BMW, and it looks like a BMW from the '80s, but like still, it's a BMW that her dad gifts her. It's her dad's wife. Her parents are divorced. It's the she's having dinner with like her mother and her mother's um, husband and then her father and her father's wife and they get the father and the father's wife gift her this BMW that's used because the wife got a new car Um, and uh, yeah so I mean that kind of thing speaks to I guess like you know a certain amount of money you know to be able absolutely to, yeah to sort of like give her that and then when and then when she loses her job we see her going this sort of like uh this journey um looking for more she goes to her mother <laughs> and her mother's husband who like looks weirdly young in like the scene when she goes to her mother i was like how old is this act who is this i um, know and then also when she's like cutting his food at the restaurant she's it's like, really weird yeah it's Dave, very Dave strange that. it was i don't understand like 
the her ex-husband makes some like some um you know remark about how she married a child and it's like it's it's such a throwaway moment and this character is like not really an important character but like has a very specific personality that i don't like i just like don't really understand well like a middle-aged southern woman who like who's married a younger man which like the implications of that is always sort of like tied to a certain amount of like you know uh, i guess like uh, capital that you have in order to like you know what I mean? Like, that sort of, like, Oh, trope. meaning but, she's basically his sugar mama? But that's not no, the vibe I got, you know? No, never... it was like, she's, like, parent parenting him. Yeah, and I also couldn't really work out... That's what I meant earlier when I said I couldn't work out, like, sort of the finances and, like, who, like, mm-hmm. it's like, did you get some great alimony, like, deal or, like, some really great divorce settlement that, like, has but put you in But don't you, if you get remarried, don't you stop receiving alimony? Well, with alimony, but if she got, like, a lump sum divorce settlement on that, oh, then, yeah, maybe. you know, that's, that's all her. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, there's a moment where Lainey loses her job. She goes to her mother. Her mother is essentially like, I can't help you. Um, I found it really interesting that her parents were, you know, they were trying to they were trying to prove a point. But I found it really interesting that her parents were both like so unwilling to like her dad was sort of like, this is a lesson you got to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, OK, um, I was fired, but go on. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I mean, it's like, there's a fine line between teaching your kid a lesson and then being like, you got fired. And like, that is a really devastating moment. And like, like, you don't always have control over, as a person who's gotten fired a lot, you don't always have control over that scenario. And so it's like... But those companies, they did what they had to do to protect themselves, really, I think. (laughs) Sometimes it's your fault, sometimes it's not. And so when you do get fired, it is really devastating. And then, like, you don't have a financial plan, you know what I mean? Particularly when you're 23, because she was making, you know, I mean, if you're only making $400 a week at 23, you're not not making enough to, like, save anything. Well, there's that that moment where somebody's like, "It's it's $5 an hour. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god. That's horrible. Although, you know, like, somebody did that, that whole, like, chart of, like, you know, uh, minimum wage now and, like, versus, like, living expenses and, like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just... No. Do not... The minimum wage is so below the poverty level, it's insane. And the people who want to keep it that way are sh- are shitbags. I mean, honestly. Yeah, are, are, piece, are pieces of shitbags who are literally passing, like, the most insane and primitive legislations currently, you know. Well, it's like, also- you do you not want people to be able to live while working 40 hours a week? Like, isn't that, like, what this, like, whatever. I mean, we don't have Yeah, to that's another. That, but, no, exactly. But, um, y'all, you try you try to live on $15 an hour. Um, yeah, and see, yeah, see how far and, they get. And you. see how well that. And $15 an hour, by the way, is not even the minimum wage. It's, like, what no. we're fighting for. No, that's what people That's not even now. enough. The yeah. federal minimum wage, I think, is, like, seven twenty-five or something like that. It's yeah, insane. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and then, like, to take a trip to Cameo Corner, because we've got quite a few in this movie. We um, do. We have uh, Renee Zellweger um, playing the role of Tammy with one M. <gasps> what? Oh, you didn't caught that? Yeah, no. that scene. Yeah, towards the beginning when <gasps> Troy's very first yes, scene when Troy oh. is leaving the the apartment. That's Renee. 
I had no idea. She doesn't say any Texas, lines. And a Texas girl, which is interesting and because I wonder what that's about. Because th- I think they said, like, mo- most of the interior was shot in L.A. So I wonder if she was an actress that they found in Texas or if she was already in L.A. Like, I'm, it's just interesting, you know? Um I wonder how that came to be. Um, She may have already been in L.A. and it may have just been a, you know, happenstance. But I thought that was interesting. But sometimes with smaller roles like that, if if it's something on location, then sometimes they'll cast, like, local actors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she hadn't completed us yet, America. But um, she was on on the road. Um, She was on the road, too. And she she had us at, um, well, she didn't have a line. But she had had us at nothing. Yeah, she had us at her, her blue... Um, robe. Okay. The, um, cut that. Leave it in because I want them to see who she is. Um, but yeah, so there was that quick moment. Although I think it's funny when you go to IMDb because I feel like she's up way higher than of course, like she would be. Now. So like they're like, Tammy, Tammy was in it too. The Tammy, name Tam- that we we literally only know her name is Tammy because we see her hand him a piece of paper. She does not speak, and then he throws a piece of paper on the ground as he's leaving, and it says Tammy on it. That's the only Which is reason. Like so I wrote down that that's so, so shady. It's like it's well, like. Just girl's gonna take... see it when she when she's out when she, she leaves her friends she's like i met the one he kind of <laughs> plays guitar he considered bathing um and he uh his hair is greasier than a bottle of crisco and he's all mine and it's like then you walk downstairs from your apartment and you see the piece of paper with your phone number lying in the grass and you're crumpled like, and you're like oh silly boy he must have fallen out of his pocket <laughs> Of the, the, hole the lies, the, the lies you have to tell yourself to get <laughs> oh, your twenties. He's gonna be, he's gonna be pawing at that door like a like a cat in the heat by by sundown. Uh, um, yeah, it's like whatever. And then we also see sort of position next to that. We see like Janine Garofalo's Vicky. Like this guy's leaving, like slipping out of yes. her apartment. She's sort of waiting for him to leave, and yeah. then she wakes up and then she pulls out her little notebook and she writes the name Rick question mark in it and we see that she's keeping a tally of like which is so funny of all the people you slept with which I'm like I wonder do people really do that that seems like uh, I, I don't know what it would be for yeah I guess I don't know posterity like I mean something just <laughs> to so. reference to show your kids one day I guess like <laughs> Hey mom, if you're holding on to any of that, I would love to take a look at your I'm not diary. The, where the square you, kept... you think I am? Your dad is Rick? Question mark. Uh, I always refer to him as Rick. Um, it's so, our little secret. It's our little seeky. Um, so yeah, so we have that moment. We also have these like there's a, there are quite a few moments that are sort of like groundbreaking in a way i mean Mm -hmm. we have this conversation about hiv in this movie Mm -hmm. which was like one of the first really i mean this was 1994 i think it was filmed in 93 so this wasn't a conversation that was really happening in in mainstream movies and we see you know we see jenny garofalo's vicky um having this moment um Mm -hmm. at um the clinic where she is um you know going to get tested because she says that a friend of hers is tested positive. Um, And then she sort of goes on this journey that, like, there's a moment where, like, I turn to Dave because she's talking like she's already been confirmed with the diagnosis. Yeah. Did we miss something? And then later on, she we find out that she is, she's tested negative. But it was just, like, I think it's just sort of the reality of growing up and having to sort of, like, 
having to deal with things that are very adult. Um, totally. And also the difference between getting an HIV diagnosis in 1994 versus getting an HIV diagnosis today, where it's like... Uh, no, of course. I'm sure today, of course, I'm sure it would be difficult to deal with, but it's like, it's a very, it's a very different um, world for someone who's HIV positive versus in 1994 when like literally is still at that point a full blown death sentence. And, oh, like, absolutely. And, and I, I, I actually really appreciated. And again, I, I don't think I saw this in 1994. I'm sure I saw this a few years later, but I think I appreciated it at the time that they were focusing on a straight woman who was going through this because they, I mean, of course, you guys know, historically, it's just been coined as a, quote, gay disease. And obviously, that's just not the reality of the situation. Um, it plagues everybody. Um, and so it was nice. Well, not nice, but I guess it was good to see someone else handling this and going through a situation like this, because I think a lot of people, particularly a lot of straight people, just think I don't have to worry about something like that, which is like, I, I hope I hope straight people don't think that now, but I'm sure they thought about that, thought that in 1994. You've always been my connection to um, straight people. So whatever you say they think is um, what I believe they do. I, um, I love I love to st- speak for straight people. It's my favorite I, thing because I always know what I'm talking about. I, I can't let you speak for lesbian women anymore. I know that I can't let you speak for any queer people because your politics have gotten so janky so i don't mind you speaking for um for listrate um i i did want to say we we did leave dave did point out we left cameo corner way too soon um we've got a lot of wonderful cameos in the movie um i i clocked obviously miss ann mara uh, ben stiller's mom yes she's the, the one who puts baby girl. girl on the spot r.i.p and she puts her on the spot i thought that was so shitty Define irony. Irony. Oh my god, this conversation. Which is like, I've never been to a job interview, and we know. Trust me, no. (laughs) I've actually been to a ton of job interviews. Oh, I've never. (laughs) I've never been to a job interview where they ask you to like. Where they ask no, it was you a questions shady like ass that question. on the spot, like to like prove something. Like I've never had that moment. It's more like, tell us a time at work where you, you know, were frustrated and how did you handle that? It's not like define irony. What a fucking weird curveball of a question. No, it it was unnecessary. But she also I mean, asks it as she's ushering her out into the elevator. Yeah, she wasn't giving the job. Well, you know, well. you don't have the job. <laughs> um, but yeah, and also she said exactly what everybody says because <laughs> I don't want to admit this. I okay. went through a period where I was looking for a solid definition of irony as well, like <laughs> like, a, like a month ago, um, and I was just asking people, and everybody says the same thing. Everybody says, "Oh, I don't know how to define it, but I'll know it when I see it." That's literally what everyone says, and I thought it was really funny that she said it. Um, that is really funny, and because um, you do feel like when you catch it, sometimes you're like, "That's ironic." No, that's genuine. Yeah. It because you know what happened. Alanis Moore said, "Messed it up for everybody." I know she confused us all because she gave us a series of unfortunate events. She she hit us with a lemony snickets, um, and <laughs> and now one of those bitches are actual. Irony. No, they're just unfortunate. They're just unfortunate occurrences. Exactly. Don't get me Things- wrong. 
because I lived for that song. The first it's an time I heard song. it, yep. I was like looking around the room, like, Are "You kidding me? This is, this is incredible. This is genius. <laughs> what? This is just." I had a very similar reaction to the first time, which is not to not to put this song into too questionable of a company, but the first time I heard Amish Paradise by Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> and I remember having the, I was arrested. I was like, wait, wait, hold on. He, he rewrote Coolio's Gangster's Paradise and he centered it around Amish folk? <laughs> where's, where's the album? Um, and were, so, you a, were, were you a Weird Al head? I was a Yank, yeah, I was a Yank head, for sure. <laughs> Oh my God, Tara is uh, my I wife. Love, yeah, I do love. I, I do love. Real, and I don't know why. I can't help it. It's like a. It's like still a. It's like a childhood thing. Childhood. It's like I. I look. He was. He was doing some groundbreaking musical comedy. <laughs> we can't deny it. The he thing was... is, is that it caught like wildfire, and we were all here for it. I was never. I didn't buy an album. I wasn't like a huge. But like, trust me. I learned some of the songs. I knew them. Did they play on the radio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, how did I know these songs? Like, it must have been like, there were like music videos too on like MTV. There was a lot. That um, that Amish Paradise music video is like chef's kiss. It's so good. Um, But there was a lot going on. The the album that really like, I think, cemented Al's legacy though, was (laughs) Bad Hair Day. That was the album I had. I remember the title. I mean, I mean, I remember the photo. It was like based on Coolio's hair, wasn't it? Absolutely. Which, which thinking back, is actually a bit racist. Oh yeah, it is for sure. No, it, yeah. no, you don't want to look. You want to look look longer than a second at any of this, or yeah, you're gonna see some <laughs> stuff you don't want to see. Um, we also <laughs> had the even worse album, which was a take on the bad um, oh. album, Michael Jackson. Oh yeah. Um, oh, it was, didn't he? Oh, it, he did some fat phobic stuff too with them. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Bad. It was like you're fat. You're really, really fat. I was like, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, Tell us how you really feel, Al. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that's funny, but. <laughs> Exactly, okay. but go off. Um, <laughs> no, we, we don't support that. But you know, we're we're here. We're here for what we were. Um, we are. <laughs> we, as, as soon as we did a tiny bit of research during this conversation, <laughs> the, the we're, thread we're sta- it unraveled. We're, st- <laughs> we're standing less. <laughs> We're like slowly moving away little by little. <laughs> like, um, but but like Alanis, you live, you learn. You know what I mean? And I'm live, not ashamed. You learn. You learn. Oh my god. I saw a clip from the Jagged Little Film musical and I spent a week trying to force Jane to watch the clip. And she wouldn't watch it. And she kept being like, oh, I'm going to get to it in the middle of the nothing I'm doing. And I was like, just push play and stop it. It was so uncomfortable and weird. And it was like, y'all really y'all really shoehorned these songs into a musical format, didn't you? These characters on this stage have no connection to each other. Oh, my God. Um, it was so... Everybody just looks like, this is my line? I don't know. Does, um, does that Did that musical do well? I don't. I, I don't know. I think it did better than expected. I actually saw something a couple months ago that was like, um, "Jagged Little Pill" headed back to Broadway like post COVID, and I thought, "Huh, this is <laughs> this is what was found in the fire." Well, that was like one of it was like one of the most uncomfortable performances I'd seen. It's I think weird. it was like on the Today Show or whatever. It was. Like, yeah. It was like this isn't good, man. 
This isn't good. Um, it's not, and like, then we, the, don't get me wrong. Like the the singers were fantastic, and you know, no, it's just the context. Broadway like, performers. Who it's needed just, like, this? I is what it is. Yeah, it, it just didn't work as a whole. But anyway, and it's a great album. But it's the same thing. I don't want to see a Broadway musical on the Miseducation Lauren Hill either. I oh my love god, that no album. way! I uh, that that's probably when people ask me what my favorite album is. It's that album, and I never ever want to hear anybody else attempt it besides Lauren Hill. Yeah, no, we're, we're not here for that. Leave it no. be. That's bad enough. That's like when people, oh, it's like when everybody was singing Aretha Franklin song. It's like, just stop. Enough. Just leave it. Leave it. Even you, Jennifer. Um, so, also, <laughs> we, we also, we have Andy Dick um, in the yes. mix. Um, we have Andy Dick. We have David Spades here. David yes. Spade is Wiener Schnitzel. There was a hot dog. There was a piece of bacon on a hot dog. And I don't remember that being a thing. I mean, I, I see a world in which I would have eaten it for sure. Oh, um, yeah. I'm actually pretty hungry right now. I would eat bacon on a hot dog. As I said it out loud, my mouth started watering. I was just- <laughs> And I'm not even like a big, I'm not even a big hot dog person. I would love for it to be like a a sausage. Like I'm not like hot dogs are like they they have like the depth of flavor isn't really there for me. I want like a like a really delicious sausage, and like bacon. No, I feel you. Um, By the way, just so you guys know, we record this like like at what normal people would refer to as dinner time. So we always eat dinner really late. So oh, here we go. You love the word normal. It is how you categorize. <laughs> oh my God. Why am I so obsessed with the word normal? You're a product of the world that you came into being in. You're right. And, um, and you know what? This. You are right to call me out on this because this is not, I need to, I need to drop it from my vocab. I need to drop normal. I need to drop average, you know, I need to just, I need to start over. You need to drop that skincare routine, too, because you're looking beautiful lately, man. Bitch! I love how you ended it with a compliment. I did. I mean, you were beating yourself up enough, and it's like, (laughs) that's my job. Um, (laughs) But um, we had lots of really juicy um, cameos in here. I actually, um, I think this is, feels like a time um, that I'm going to send Jane a copy of a scene. Um, Jane and I, we have a scene to look at. Um, and uh, our interpretation, we're gonna our interpretation of a, of a scene, scene that... from Reality Bites. Um, Reality Bites. Do you want to be um, Lainey or do you want to be Troy? Let me let me see. What this is a confrontation is. scene. This is a scene. Um, where Troy and Lainey, they kind of had a moment, Lainey, where they kiss, where Troy kisses her. She's sort of caught up in, like, whatever this is potentially going to be um, with the Michael guy played by Ben Stiller's character. Troy also hasn't really, like, stepped up to the plate in any way um, and declared his intentions, and so she doesn't really know where she stands with him. And Michael is showing up and really, like, trying to make something happen. And Troy hasn't been around. He'd been sleeping on their couch. Um, He's disappeared for like about a week. He shows up with this girl that he's just met at a club. And him and Lainey sort of like get into it. Um, And they confront each other about like their bullshit. Uh, I think I I want to be Lainey. Okay. Um, we're going to give it a go. This The way that they put these scenes the, that are open domain available is mm-hmm. they don't put names in. They just okay. just a row of lines. So I had to go mining for this. Um, so let's give it a go. Let's see what's in the right place. And then if we have to adjust anything, we can. Okay. Is one Laney and two is Troy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Can't stay here, Troy. I'm just going to pick something up. Well, mission accomplished. Now leave. <laughs> Always the mistress of etiquette, huh, Lainey? Just out of curiosity, why are you suddenly acting like a jealous girlfriend? All right, we're just trying to play bills here, okay? So, Troy, if you got any money... But what's money to an artist, to a philosopher? It's just green-colored paper that floats in and out of your life like snow. It's nothing you actually have to, oh, I don't know, work for, is it, Troy? Uh, no, no. Not if you have Daddy's little gas card. You shut up. You shut up. I busted my ass to find a job. Any job. You don't even bother showing up for interviews. What is it that you want from me, huh? What is it? You want me to go get a job on the line? For the next years? Until I, until I, I'm granted leave with my, my gold-plated watch and my balls full of tumors? Because I surrendered that one thing that means shit to me? Well, honey, you can just exhale. Because it's not gonna happen. Not in this lifetime. All right, fine. You don't wanna work? Fine. Lenny, goddammit. You want to be in a band? Then be a goddamn band. Rehearse every day. Play every night. Play three times a night. Just don't dick around the same coffee house for five years. Don't dick around with her or with me. I mean, try it something for once in your life. Do something about it. But you know what? You better do it now and you better do it fast because the world doesn't owe you any favors. And whether you know it or not, you're on the inside track to Loserville, USA. Just like him. <laughs> I think we got lost in the end because I was like, I no, I think it. you were right. I think you did the right thing. Okay. I well, don't know about you, but I gave it my everything. <laughs> I gave it my everything too. I got lost in there. I was, I, I was all it's over like, the place. When you're playing a character, you can't be held responsible for what you do. I'm sure you know as an actor, just sometimes it feels right and you get it. And I just, no. I was Laney. You know what I mean? I haven't been this emotionally rattled since Krippendorf's tribe. Um, so. <laughs> Which was an emotional rattling. <laughs> it was. It was It was an irresponsible rattling of a cage. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, no, yeah. The show also, like, what was that? It's like what he show? takes it. He, well, the, the, like, the taking her to the, the studio to Up In Your Face productions oh, to see. In, in Your Face TV. In Your oh Face God. TV. <laughs> Um, but he takes her to the studio and like that's the whole thing is like he's taken these like clips that he feels like there's real value here and he takes her to like the studio for like the viewing party which is like 20 people Um, and also as Dave pointed out like what is this news station in the middle of Houston that's like producing like like this reality tell like it's like what are we doing here it's not a news station it's like an MTV adjacent station yeah Yeah, it's an MTV in Houston in 1994 is what it is so it's like well okay so I actually I actually got the impression that the Houston Houston they had an office in Houston, but he like had to fly oh, back and forth okay. to New York. So gotcha. I think it was like their headquarters was in New York, gotcha. but they had an office in Houston which he worked out of. So that didn't um 
really pose any red flags with me. But I, I, yeah, I understand that for sure. But that was like a little bit odd, but I, I get what you're saying. Thank you for clarifying that. But then also like the show itself was like, what is this? As Dave pointed out, it's called Reality Bites. He's like, it's like bites of like these people's lives. Oh, I and didn't I was think like, about that. I was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of get that, I guess. But it also is just like, the thing is, if you're going to like flip something like that, or if you're going to like, then we need to at least establish a set of rules or mm-hmm. context. We have no context. These are not famous people. So no. it's like, we understand the premise of the real world, you know? Yes. Which, by the way, was apparently a name that was thrown around for this movie. And then the real world happened on MTV. And, um... Whoa. Back to the drawing board. Um, and so <laughs> that, um... Which wouldn't surprise me if it was called The Real World. And the show that he that he spliced together was called The Real World, too. That would have been really funny. Um, that would have been hilarious. This was well, what happens when people stop think... being polite and people start realizing the cameras are recording them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like these splices that are like, who are these people? What's happening? Why do I care? We jump right in. I know. And that's the thing that I think is so funny too. It's like, it's, it's, it's like that thing where it's everyone, everyone thinks that their group of friends is interesting. And it's like, that might not always be the case. It's like the arrogance. You're like, I'm going to film my friends. And like, well, and, and not unlike, um, <laughs> The arrogance it takes to start a podcast with your best friend where you just talk and talk and talk. So I guess I do get it. (laughs) Or like this podcast, starting a podcast with an acquaintance. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've put in the work, Brandon. (laughs) What, for this relationship? Yeah. (laughs) You have. I love you so much. I love Um, you so much. I'm not an acquaintance at all. Uh no no no. Was that you affirming your? Was that you affirming yourself? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know. I feel no, like was... I feel like that's something that like after we're done recording, you're just gonna say to yourself silently in the mirror right I'm before like, you get up to go I'm into the room. I'm not an acquaintance of Brandon. He's he's my friend, right? And then you're gonna walk in the other room and you're gonna ask Tara, and she's gonna be like, like oh, Brandon yeah. and I are friends, right? And she's like, what? What an insane question. Or she's like, look, I I don't want to get in the middle of this. And she just sort of starts to like back away like we did from Will Weird Al Yankovic earlier. Oh my god. She's like, I don't want to touch the it. The bag, but like Also, like, so Lainey also has these like schemes that she comes up with um to make money after he goes to her dad and he's like, I was like, oh, like I'm I it's like he doesn't want to give her any money for her like four hundred dollar rent. It's like just help her. Just help her. I know, her. just help her. Um um, but he doesn't want to give her any money. And so he like gives her, but he gave her at the beginning of the movie when he gave her that used BMW, he gives her a gas card. So he, it's, Lainey, he says, I will pay the bill for one year. And it's like, okay, girl. <laughs> all right, then get to paying. No questions. Yep. And so Lainey realizes that she can sort of like get people to let her use her gas card, her gas card at the gas station. And then they'll just give her the cash they were going to pay with. And she also starts buying, like using the gas card to buy like diet Coke and like, like, you know, snacks, Funyuns, groceries and, and whatever. Groceries yeah. from the gas station and everything. The woman at the store also is like really annoyed with her. And it's like, you just do your job. <laughs> I don't need your attitude. I don't need you coloring this with like. I'm making my money in my way. You're making your money in your way. Yeah. And I made more and I'm going to be out of here in a second. 
and exactly. I'll see you at, and you'll still be here at sundown. <laughs> so you need to be taking notes and stop worrying about what I'm doing. I like people. I hate people. I hate periphery characters with too much point of view. You just do you. You just do you. There were a couple exactly. of characters in this movie that were doing too much. I thought trying to make it. Where people own. supposed to be doing their jobs. The Can woman. Think- oh, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, can you think of another one? Because I'm interested. Absolutely. Okay. The woman at the the when she goes to the diner after her big confrontation scene with Troy, the -hmm. woman who is a very famous. I actually feel. Give me. I I feel bad not knowing her name because she is like an iconic character actress. Okay. Great. 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 Pat Crawford Brown. Get into it. When you look her up, you're gonna. When you look her up, you're gonna put. You're gonna put respect on her name. Is what you're gonna do. Exactly. She's an icon. She's a legend, and she is and was the moment. So get into (laughs) it, okay? Because Mama's Mama's got almost two hundred credits to her name. Oh my! So you do you, and she'll do her. Um, (laughs) And um, she lived to be ninety years old. She was oh Jane. She was born on June twenty ninth, nineteen twenty nine. My birthday is July twenty third. I well, you know, it's. It's, it's right around there, though. How neat. Um, moving on, moving on. Um, and so, yeah, we see in her um, a real sort of like spicy, but trained character actress. There's a moment where I thought about, she gets a phone call. First of all, there were several moments also, I'm getting up track. There were several moments in this movie also where people knew where people were and they shouldn't have. Yes, um, absolutely. She gets a call from Michael basically Ben Stiller's character at this diner that she just stormed off and went to. And I mean, I guess Steve Zahn's character's back at the apartment. It's possible that when he called, he told her, oh, but he didn't know where they went. But he didn't know where they went anyway. They just said we're going for a walk, but maybe this is the place they always go to. Anyway, he he's speaking with her on the phone and then the and then the waitress is like, you know, next time you get a call, how about you you can take it on the payphone outside? And it's like, girl, he called me. A and B, what's it to you? It she was a goes, okay. Call. So she goes, uh, the conversation I remember because this com- this made this conversation made me fucking laugh because Michael calls and is like, they loved your tapes. And she, and he's like, they're both, Michael and Lainey are very excited back and forth. And he goes, he was like, you amazed me. And she's like, oh, my God. And he's like, I love you. I mean, whatever. And then he tries to walk it back. And she goes, she skips right over that. And she goes, you amaze me, too. And he was like, okay, girl, I guess that's under rug swept for you. Because you don't want to deal with the fact that he just told you he loved you. So you're going to skip to the next one. But then what the waitress says at the restaurant is, you know what amazes me? The payphone outside. And it's Full like, oh uh, yeah, and yeah, thank you. And it's like, are you you paying this bill now? Or you, I know why are you a, so pressed? A waitress here <laughs> needs to do her damn job. I just want to make sure that I understand who's who, because I thought I was a paying customer, and you <laughs> were the waitress who knew when to shut up. But apparently, I need to re reevaluate who we are. So so aggressive. Um, so, so and I would so never, I, I would never talk to never. somebody like that. I would literally Ever. be like, huh, and then I'd walk over and go to Jane because she was she's sitting at the booth, undoubtedly. And In fact, I'd you'd be like, like, you you'd be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, didn't mean to take up your time. And then you walk would, back to and be like, that's this 100% bitch. Me. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. If it wasn't for the fact that we you were here, that I was waiting on my apple pie a la mode. She would have gotten it. <laughs> she instead, went hard from me. <laughs> but you, like, instead, her, like, I gave her a $20 tip 
And I said, please forgive me and don't hate me. But she'll learn. Um, she'll learn. She knew what she knew what I meant with that with that with that thirty percent tip. She knew what she, I meant. She knew what the I'm so sorry it won't happen again, man. She read between the lines. Um and then there's the moment when they're at the gas station and my Sharona comes on the radio and then oh they're like, God. Ooh, turn it up and then they're like dancing to my Sharona and like the guy at the store is like so upset about it and it's like Calm I know down. We're gonna be gone in a second. They're just like bopping around having a they're having a little twenty-year-olds having a little bit of fun, um, but also I found it. I, I read online that apparently when Quentin Tarantino was making Pulp Fiction, he reached out to get the rights to My Sharona, and he couldn't get them because they had just used it in this movie. Oh my god! So, this soundtrack, sh- by the way, is an iconic. Oh, I can believe it. Well, I saw that for me growing that up. Lisa Loeb, you say, stay. is on it. Yeah. Le- Le- I'm sorry, stay. Goodness. And you all knew what I meant when I you knew what song I was talking about when I we said. We all knew um, what you meant. <laughs> but apparently that's because Lisa Loeb was a friend of Ethan Hawke's at the time. Oh, no way. And I, I think that. he was sort of the connection to get this made. I mean, I'm sure when they heard the song, they were like, oh, this is a hit all, all over. Um Remember that reality show Lisa Loeb had in like the late nineties, early aughts? No. What it was are you like talking I, about it was like me? she was dating someone. I forget. What? It was like her trying to get her footing back in the industry. Oh um I, yeah. I know. What? Can you okay, well your assignment for next week is to figure out what it's, it's defined, called and find out how it. we can stream it. Because I want to watch yeah, that. Absolutely. But this soundtrack was in those iconic for me. I listened to this. Oh, I can all believe that. Absolutely. I loved it. I mean, this is where I know all these songs. Like I mean Tempted, which I sang in yeah. my um synopsis. That I like Loved. I thought you were gonna say like I sang it in like an assembly or something. That was my (laughs) no. I never Um, sang in assemblies. I was not that good, but um, I absolutely listened to this on repeat until like the CD was too scratched to listen to. I have a question for you, as my resident hair girl. Um, were were those good bangs on Janine? Yes, I mean, for, like, okay, so for the look that she's going for, like, that Betty Page, Alterna style, whatever, which, mm-hmm. like, was, oh, is always Janine's, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, okay. like, I won't say that I haven't, like, considered, I won't considered going like for that be a look little bit younger. longer. No, but look at Betty Page. Those are the length of the bangs. And, like, okay. I think they, like, if you can pull it off, I think they look fucking cute. And I think Janine could pull it off. And I thought Oh, no, so Janine cool. looks beautiful in the movie. I, I was just I thought curious. she looked I'm, so cool BT Dogs. Have you seen The Truth About Cats and Dogs before? Of course I've seen The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Okay. Oh, girl. <laughs> you had. <laughs> it was coming up yeah. next. It was going on that list. Um... But I will the say this thought movie almost did... my skipped my heart skipped a beat at the thought. But once again, <laughs> were like, we've couldn't... got Janine can't get out of the you know the Ethan Hawke Uma Thurman like fantasy of the nineties apparently. I mean, for real, just entangled in all of it. Right, right, right. But I will say that this movie did give me. It was definitely part of um, like my misunderstanding of like women like Winona Ryder who absolutely look like they put no effort into their hair or makeup but still appear like very pretty and Mm -hmm. like 
I am 90% sure that I took a picture of Winona Ryder's hair in this movie and, like, brought it to my hair slice and was like, do this. <laughs> and I'm sure it never came out the same. And... I thought it was so cool and casual and whatever, but I know there was so much work behind it. And she's wearing makeup. Like, and I was like, oh, she's so pretty without makeup. And it's like, in what world is this person not wearing makeup? Yeah, well, how would you know? Because exactly. you haven't seen that. Um, exactly. No, she had a face full of makeup. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a this is a quintessential, like, 90s. Totally. Um, it's so interesting to look at these photos, though, and see, like, the, see how much, like... How much of the 1950s is sort of in conversation, like from a stylistic standpoint? Absolutely. With, um, in these outfits, like some of these stills, you could potentially make a case for like, oh, this was a movie from 19, you know, when you look at like, I mean, honestly, looking at Steve Zahn, he's he's giving like, um, God, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Um, Eddie Haskell. He's giving like Eddie Haskell vibes mm. um, from Leave It to Beaver. Um, we're getting this hair on Ben Stiller's also like giving like 1950s, like we're getting rockabilly tees. Yes. Um, you know, Janine Garofalo. And, and I remember that. I do remember that being a huge thing. Obviously, the first thing that comes to my mind is like Christian from Clueless. Um, who's oh, like channeling, sure. like, you know, as much of James Dean as humanly possible without yeah. like receiving a cease and desist from the estate. Um, mm -hmm. it's <laughs> but like you see those inspirations, and this was a this was like I was still like a really little kid, so like, but mm -hmm. I knew like this whole idea of cool, you know, and like this conversation around the gap and things like that. It's um, oh my god, the gap was like. <laughs> Okay. It was was everything in the '90s, and it was so funny to see it. Like, it, like the old Gap logo. Oh, everyone, sure. everything was from the Gap. The Gap was everything in the '90s. Now it's like people don't really talk about the Gap anymore. You know. I mean, we still shop there, but we're looking for coupons, and <laughs> you know, we're only buying it if it's on sale. So. I mean, I TBH. I have not been to the Gap in literal years. I mean, who's been to a store to buy? I don't. I don't think about it. I don't. I don't go to Gap.com and shop. Is what I mean. Whatever you 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 wear it if it's on sale. <laughs> of course I will. I'll wear anything. But no, I feel you. Um, no. But it just is it's not I in the, conversation. I was, I'm just feeling defensive because I was in the Gap like. A day. No, I'm not saying the Gap is bad. Oh, I'm just no, saying I'm garbage. it's like I get it. No, you made your point. I'm just saying it's not like a go-to anymore as no, much it's, as it's it not used like, to it's be. No, it's not like it's not the iconic brand that it was. Oh my god, right. I didn't. There was an episode. We may have talked about this before, and I'm sorry. There was an episode on the nanny. I remember where like Cece is like going for like safari. Um, she's mm. going on like this like. Um, <laughs> I don't she's, think we've talked about this before. So she's going to like. Um, She's going to, I'm um, like, she's taking the kids on safari because she's trying to prove to Maxwell that, like, she's, you know, uh, she can handle a the children. A good mother. And she comes in in this, like, fancy, like, safari adjacent outfit. And, you know, and then Fran asks her where she got it. And I forget the brand that Fran throws at her, like, but then she goes, oh, sweetie, this is Abercrombie and Fitch. And I oh. thought, oh, that's so funny that, like, circa oh early 90s, like, that was a brand that you would, like, 
as opposed to me like about. hiding the labels on my clothing from Abercrombie. Um, but I just I thought that was really that sort of instantly explained to me, like you know, gave me context for what that brand was in the early '90s. You know? Wow. Um, yeah, I didn't know that because like my my I don't think I heard of Abercrombie and Fitch until it was like the early aughts, and like everybody was like wearing you know. But it wasn't a brand that was worn by like it was a brand that was worn by teenagers. It wasn't a brand that was like right. that you would see adults in really. So to see yeah. you know you know a woman in her thirties of like means you know a person who cares about appearances and name brands and things like that wearing it was like huh what was the journey of yeah. this of this clothing brand to end up like where it ended up? Uh, yeah, but I mean obviously idea. rebranding falling out of fashion and then having to pivot yeah we, I mean I get it but like I was just curious about that within the context of the times. Um, That's so funny. But yeah, no, I mean, this movie, you know, we, we see the, the the will they, won't they sort of tussle of these characters. And then, like, mm-hmm. we get this moment at the end, you know, um, Troy, Ethan Hawke's character, his dad is really sick. He ends up dying. And then we get this moment at the very end where, like, he comes back for, you know, for our, our heroine Lainey. And, like, they have this mm-hmm. embrace on the front porch and, like... The stakes couldn't have been lower for me. I'll be honest. I know. Um, the thing is, is like, he goes away. He doesn't tell anybody, like, that he's going away to his father's funeral. And you don't know until he tells her. And it's like, he's, like, learned something. And now he wants to be with Lainey and whatever. But, like, I think when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I really want them to be together. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I hope she finds him or whatever. And as an adult, I'm like, this relationship is going to be so messy. Well, they, <laughs> like, well, they sleep. They finally sleep together then he gets all skittish on her and then she like sort of is torn between him and Michael the Ben Stiller character that's showing up and like saying I want to be with you and she's mm-hmm. going back and forth between the two of them and then he's like oh, I don't ever want to be with you but then he's upset that like Ben Stiller's character shows up he's like what's he doing here and it's yeah. like what do you want he's like oh we can't be together like I'm not ready to be that kind of and it's just like then go then go away <laughs> then and let go. me figure out figure what this shit is out. and piece together something potentially with this person who's showing up and saying they want to be with me but it's like he's this man child who can't like say what he wants and he's saying shit like all, it's like all of like that awful toxic male BS of like yeah oh like if I did if I could settle down you'd be the one that I would settle down with but I can't it's like then why waste your breath saying that why, right. why are we talking about hypothetical situations where you are prepared to like step up to the plate and like show up for me because you just told me you can't but you love this fantasy world where you could and if you could you would whatever dude like go play so with your boring. shitty band go it's tell just like yeah who cares yeah it's like, go why are you such a catch that like you can't commit to anybody but like if you could i'd be the one like why does that make you like attractive like and, and what am i supposed to do? oh i know what i'm supposed to do with it i'm supposed to hang my hopes and dreams on it and wait for like the day that you show up you and decide that around. you're ready for me after you've you know been through half the neighborhood like and like wait for like you know tiny snippets of your attention and affection like gross I oh you showing more. up at the, you showing up at the apartment with like a coffee for me with like you know with some girl's lipstick on your collar and like I can smell her perfume on you and you know and then you tell me about how like oh you're so much more interesting than her like you know and then when and then when we like kissed in the kitchen like and I pull away then you're like oh you're so fucking frigid like you're nothing you're nothing like Kaylee that like blah 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 and then you make me feel bad about myself and it's like it's just it's gonna be a, a merry-go-round of, of just gaslighting uh, and like nothing good messiness. will come from it this relationship will says, not last 
And he says at the end, like, when he's like, what does he say? Um, what, what does he say? Um, he's like, when they're, like, having it out at the club, and he's like, I might do mean things, and I might hurt you, and I might run away without explanation. And it's like, okay, so you're a shitbag. You're, like, so a you bad might, boyfriend. So you might so you be mi- a crappy like, human being. Exactly. You might be, like, a terrible, terrible boyfriend. Why the fuck would I want to be with you? And he's like, and that scares you that I might do that. And it's like, it doesn't that you're scare not, me. That like, you can't I deserve be, better. Yeah, that you can't be. <laughs> I deserve be, better than you. That you can't be depended on. And that you can't, like, assure me that you are capable of, like, following through. And I'm a person right, who you've, so had a, who you've you known to... for years. Right. We've spent years getting to know each other. And you can't, like, guarantee Commit that you are me? going to, that you are going to, like, be a decent human being to me like what are you offering me here i love that list yeah no i I might like put you through like the emotional ringer i might run up your credit i might steal your social security number never come back again but we have fun sometimes and this is a kind of cool flannel i'm wearing right (laughs) and like and like i love our weird weird like totally um, too much tongue kisses with our mouths like ugh. the way that we exchanged hot breath told me everything I need to know I about our connection put the words together for it that, was but. no it was like yeah it's like no and then when she and also it's like the end of the movie he shows up and it's like hey uh, are you prepared to do some emotional labor and <laughs> heavy lifting for me for a while because I'm still going to be really distant and like I'm not going to be able to and really weird. open up a chair with you. Hey girl, can can you fix me? <laughs> it's it's like, ex- no. That's exactly what it what it is. He shows up broken. He needs something solid to support him. He's going to like, you know, show up. He's going to be there for a little while, but of course, everything that was wrong with him like a week ago is still wrong with him. Still yeah, what he needs is therapy, not a girlfriend. Yeah. And and that's what he plans and that's what he plans on making you do. Exactly. Just so we're clear. Um, be his therapist, as women have done for like uh, for men <laughs> since the beginning of time. Sit down and tell me about all the bad things that happened to you. And then, you know, when I share with you, you know, my desire for like mutual exchange and like a relationship that I feel valued in, you'll use it against me. And, you know, I'm just I'll be the manipulative bitch who like forced you into this. Cool, 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 cool. I'm so cool, excited. Cool, cool, cool. I love it. What a, what a sweet deal for me. I love knowing how a story's gonna end. I know, but it's like you end. It's like uh, anything's possible. Let me let me tell you, sweetie. The possibilities are endless, and they're all terrible. Yeah, nothing good's gonna come from this. Like you, yeah, you could have. Yeah, but I wish you kids the best, anyways. You know. Yeah, exactly. Have fun figuring it out. Yeah. Um. At. <laughs> That being said, that being said, I fucking love this movie, and there's so many funny quotes in it, and yeah. all you know, it's like so much fun to watch. It's a time Did capsule. Did you? What? Yeah, it's a time capsule, and it like it. It's like it's a time that I'm nostalgic for that I never really experienced within that time, but it's so relatable to my own twenties, taken mm-hmm. out of the you know Generation X and moving it onto the millennial generation. Yeah, like, yeah. I there's still so many things for me to relate to within this, and when I was younger, it was weirdly aspirational for me. So it's um you know I, it will always be close to my heart. Um, so yeah. 
So do you have any other points you want to talk about? Or No, I think we covered it all. We sort of yeah. went on this journey to and fro, and I think we got everything in there, all the all the goodies. I do too. I, 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 I'm so glad you watched it. And I did you like it? It was, it was, I mean, I was able to sort of take it for what it was, you know, and I understood why you liked it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It was a cute movie. And, of course, the classic question, would you watch it again? Oh, like maybe in like a specific set of circumstances. Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, that movie's on, you know? Right, right. Yeah. You would if if it came up. Yeah. 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 That's good. That makes me happy. Um, and with all that being said, um, have you done your homework and researched, um, thoroughly and figured out a movie for me to watch next week? So, we are entering into the holiday season, uh, next week, which is super exciting. I'm really jazzed up about it. I know Jane is too. Um, (laughs) and I have, um, a movie that I'm going to give her that is a holiday-centric movie that I think, um, she's going to enjoy. Um, (laughs) it is called Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 2. And um, it was a 1987 joint. And I um, have put that up. And I am really excited to share it with you. Um, We're each going to be sharing um, a movie. Me this week and Jane um, the following week. We're each going to be sharing a holiday film to sort of ring in, uh, you know, the Christmas season, which is my favorite season. And I'm super excited for Jane to see this movie for the holidays. I can't wait. I, I love the holiday season. I love holiday movies. I was fairly certain I'd seen them all until you introduced this um, lovely uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Um, so I can't wait to see it. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening to us. We love you and we appreciate you. And we hope that you will head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a written review. Hit the five stars and then go ahead and make some, um, you know, well-deserved compliments on our behalf. We would appreciate that. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Movies We Missed. Nope, that's not right. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Movies We Missed. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, hit us up at MWM Chat. And, you know, there's a lot of conversations going on there. Um, so maybe you can start one. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. We love you. We will see you next week for our first holiday season movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. Have a great time doing whatever it is you do. We love you. Bye. 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 We get in the holidays easily. Bye. See?